TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Well, it was quite a night in Philadelphia last night. Obviously, it's a uh, huge, huge story locally, nationally, even internationally. The chaos, the destruction, the rioting, the looting, uh, insanity. Pure, utter insanity in the city of brotherly love. Absolutely unacceptable, disgraceful, infuriating, and yet we all expected it. That's the amazing part about it. We all expected it yesterday. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. It is Wednesday, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. I will uh, obviously address that as the most pressing story. You've been hearing about it all day, obviously, and you're going to keep hearing about it. But let me just quickly say uh, there's a story that I found today regarding the Central Intelligence Agency utilizing artificial intelligence to sift through an avalanche of public information. It's very, very troubling how the government is still spying on us. It really it really is. I mean, it's it, it's it's amazing. And I, I think, you know, well, I hear these stories all the time and I, I just I, I'm, I'm I'm grateful, thankful, truly that the Republicans won the majority in the House so that we can have the Oversight Committee and the House Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of Government because we wouldn't know this stuff was happening. Oh, and also the House Select Subcommittee on the Origins of the COVID-19 Pandemic, which also found that Dr. Anthony Fauci, Asanto Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor, you always have to say that by law, obviously, uh, was led in to the CIA, thanks to Road Warrior for sending that my way, was led into the CIA, uh, unescorted, to help them sell the lie, the narrative that COVID-19 came from an undercooked bat burger with a pangolin aioli and a side of raccoon dog fries. Uh, there's so much about the deep state that I need to get into, and I think a lot of it has to do also with what's happening right now with Bob Menendez, Donald Trump, and all of these other issues, because you know that the big story, in addition to the the rioting in Philadelphia last night and the looting, was also is also the fact that every Democrat now has come out and called for Bob Menendez to go. Why? Why are they all calling on Senator Bob Menendez to go? What do you think this is all about? And why is this all happening now? And what does it have to do with Donald Trump? And the answer is everything. Because it's all about giving cover for the investigations in the Trump so that they can turn around and go, no, 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 look, 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 we're totally impartial. We're totally unbiased. And uh, we go after everybody. And all we're, Democrats are not hypocrites. They're all calling on Menendez to go, just like they're calling on Trump to drop out. They're, none of them are hypocrites and blah, blah, blah. That's what the surface of it looks like. But deep down inside, there's Jersey politics at play here. 
and I know this better than anybody because I've, I've lived this my whole life. And King Philip the Unaccountable, his royal rugness, his wife is flirting with running for the United States Senate. Uh, Congressman Don Norcross is flirting with running for the United States Senate. There's a number of very powerful Democrats who are all circling like sharks in the water for Menendez's Senate seat, which, of course, will then create a cascade effect of, of then who will then take another seat and then the musical chairs game of Jersey politics can continues but make no mistake about it i mean menendez is guilty and he's going down he really is but they've known the guy was guilty for years they've known the guy was a crook for years why do they wait till now to go after him and i don't think that's a coincidence i think the reality is that they want to be able to say see see it's we, so we, we go after everybody it's not just trump we're not weaponized we're not a weaponized department of justice but let's not forget something Bob Menendez, years ago, criticized Barack Obama for the Iran nuclear deal. That was the first time that the feds went after him shortly after that. Again, they all knew the guy was corrupt. Everybody knows Menendez is corrupt. Everybody. But they went after him shortly after that. Recently, he comes out and he says, hey, you know, the $6 million ransom, quote-unquote ransom payment, which, of course, is definitely not a ransom, even though we got prisoners out of the deal, that's unacceptable, too. Menendez, on the foreign side, has actually come out and said some things that make him sound almost like a Republican. Criticizing the Afghanistan withdrawal, criticizing a lot of foreign policy maneuvers. That's one aspect of it for sure. And don't let that be lost upon you as Democrats throughout our region, including Senator John Fetterperson, call on him to step down. I have no idea what Casey said. Casey doesn't speak. So, you know, maybe the lesser Casey will come out and say something at some point. Maybe he already has. Who knows? The guy makes no news. He's just a boring waste of space. But he is the senator, at least until hopefully next year when he's taken out in the general election of November of 2024. Tonight is the Republican debate. The question is, how will Republicans respond to all the crime that's going on in this country? What will they say about it? And will Donald Trump uh, overstage everybody tonight at the second Republican debate? He's not going to be there, as you know, but he will be doing an event. And possibly with the United Auto Workers, he'll be doing something that will get a lot of media attention, as he always does. And is this Ron DeSantis's last chance really to shine as the alternative to Trump? There's still a significant number of the Republican establishment that wants to stop Trump from becoming the nominee. They've written a lot of checks to the Florida governor, and they're all kind of saying, you know what? Uh, listen, Gov, this is kind of your last chance here. You got to impress us tonight. Otherwise, we're going to go candidate shopping and maybe we'll tap Nikki Haley, who's now basically tied with you in New Hampshire. Maybe we'll we'll recruit somebody else like uh, Governor Glenn Youngkin to run. But tonight's really your last chance here and you better do something to shine. But what will the Republicans on the stage talk about tonight if the issue of the rioting and looting that came up in Philadelphia last night, which, all, by the way, the entire city was, I mean, virtually no part of the city was spared last night except, thank God, Citizens Bank Park, where the Phillies obviously won and we know we'll now enter red october very very happy but it, it was everywhere I mean, the roosevelt mall I mean, it, was, it was everywhere and right in the heart of center city right in the heart of the business district there were restaurants and shops and, and 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 kind of the hub of center city commerce right there boom on video on social media people bragging about it talking about it meatball is now beyond you know meatball was at one point a nickname for ron DeSantis. it's now uh, attributed to one of the looters last night in philadelphia meatball so whenever you think about meatball now you'll have an entirely new image in your mind that will come up and it's 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 heartbreaking and it's disheartening but it's not surprising and everybody knew this was going to happen yesterday we all talked about it happening 
I feel bad for the cops. I really do. I, I, I can only imagine their frustration having to deal with this. We all know the reason why. It's like somebody asked me today. They said, why do you think this keeps happening in Philadelphia? And what could be done about it? I said, well, you know, I mean, they voted for Krasner again, despite knowing the guy was a was a was a, a lawless uh, goon. And and Kenny, the mayor, I mean, the two of them last night threw gasoline on the fire when they both came out. And they said that after the judge threw out all the charges against the Philadelphia police officer, Mark Dial, they said, you know, this is not justice. We demand justice. And so, you know, they they completely threw gasoline on the fire, but they want to. I mean, guys like Krasner, guys like Kenny, they're not happy until the city is, is, is burnt to the ground. Jim Kenny, the mayor of Philadelphia, is vetoing a bill that would block quote-unquote, safe injection sites. I put the quotes around the safe because there's nothing safe about, you know, shooting up with heroin, but safe injection sites in Philadelphia. He's not happy until he can do everything he possibly can to destroy the city. And, you know, a number of people have, have tweeted me and said, you know, look, this is who they voted for, the people of Philadelphia. Get what you get, and elections have consequences. And I understand all that. I do. But at the very same time, I'm not just going to dismiss it as they elected these guys because it's so much deeper than that. It goes so much deeper These are not your average garden variety Democrats. I mean, Larry Krasner, the mindset of this guy, this progressive Marxist cancer on Philadelphia is a cancer that's uh, it's spreading throughout the entire country right now. And it's all behind something that James Carville said on Bill Maher's podcast. He said, you know, the the, the lefties today, the, 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 the Western lefties, they're they're insane people with all of their constructs and their elitism. And they're the party of the faculty lounge and the coastal elites. Like, for example, you know, if you sit around at a faculty lounge at some uh, prestigious university and you talk about the merits of a safe injection site you'll have all these people pontificating about how that's really the answer to the drug epidemic and we can save people's lives and blah 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 you know they'll sit around their their tweed jackets and their pipes i don't know if they actually have pipes but you know and they'll talk about all this stuff but they don't have to live next to a safe injection site they don't have to worry about one in their neighborhood and it's like woke lefties on the main line don't ever have to worry about a safe injection site coming to their neighborhood they, they never have to worry about that and it's the same thing with with uh, whether it's you think of the most lefty area you can think of and all their constructs and ideas about social justice and racial justice and racial equity. They don't, they don't have to look the people of West Philadelphia in the eye when they're worried about their kids getting shot in the crossfire, when they're sitting in a faculty lounge talking about the merits of defunding the police or how the police are at the, uh, you know, the, 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 the beginnings of uh, racial oppression in this country and blah, blah, blah. None of their theories actually measures up to real life it doesn't because it's all a bunch of academic bs the reality of life is very different from what these people espouse but unfortunately the the ideas behind them are now in office because george soros as much as the guy is a monster is no dummy and he saw the way to take over this country a long time ago he did he figured it out you know he said i want america to be a marxist utopia and in order to do that i need to tear america apart i need to tear it down and then rebuild it and this is what guys like him think. And he realized, you know, the president of the United States can only do so much. You know what I mean? Congress people, they can only do so much. But if you start electing people at the local level 
as district attorney, for example, as mayor, as city council people. And if all these people get there and they all have the same wacky ideas of of racial justice and social oppression and blah, 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 you know, all the stuff that sounds good in a textbook. And then they put it all into practice. By doing things like saying, well, we're not going to prosecute for quality of life crimes. And who the hell are we to tell people they can't can't camp out on the streets? And and who the hell are we to arrest people for having illegal guns? You know, back in 2021, the Philadelphia Inquirer did a story on and the uh, the story is pretty, pretty uh, amazing. It talks about how arrests in illegal gun stops are up, but prosecutions are down. They plummeted from about 70 percent down to about uh, somewhere in the low 50s since Larry Krasner became district attorney. And Reason.com, the libertarian site, actually did a story about this. And they said, Larry Krasner, the district attorney, sees little value and much injustice in gun possession arrests. And he talks about the fact that people are disproportionately going to be stopped if they uh, have illegal guns if they're black. And so what's going to happen is you're going to wind up pitting the community against the police. And so he doesn't think that arresting people for illegal guns and prosecuting them is a good idea. He'd rather go to the heart of the problem, the NRA, the Second Amendment, uh, going after gun manufacturers. I mean, again, it's academic nonsense. And so he doesn't see value, really. I mean, he said he said all this. He doesn't see value in arresting people with illegal guns because they, they really haven't done anything yet. They just have an illegal gun on them. That's his argument. And so if you wind up then having encounters where police pull people over and they encounter people and then one of those people has an illegal gun and it happens to be black, well, you're, you're, just, you're just pushing the systemic racism, blah, blah, blah. So what happens? Well, I mean, it was Police Commissioner Daniel Outlaw at the time who said there's no incentive for people to not be criminals in this city. They're going to get arrested and they're going to be back on the streets. It's like it's not very hard to think about, not very difficult to think about what happened last night in Philadelphia. What's the disincentive to rioting and looting in this city? Yeah, you're going to get arrested, but you're going to be out. You're going to be back on the streets. I mean, Krasner views you as a victim of racial oppression, of societal oppression, capitalist oppression. And all you're doing is giving voice to the oppression by smashing windows and stealing iPhones and stealing shoes and everything else. And and, and, and then you have people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, another, another genius who belongs in a textbook, who comes out and says, well, I mean, some of these people, they're just trying to get bread to feed their kids. You know, they're just trying to feed their families. As if we don't have all these social programs and a giant social safety net to help people if they really can't feed their kids. Of course, it's a lie. It's a lie to push the narrative that the violence is excusable because she also wants to see the country tear itself apart and then be rebuilt in her Marxist utopian vision. Do not for a second underestimate what I mean when I tell you that these people want to see America smoldering in flames and burnt to the ground. I am not exaggerating and it's not hyperbole. If you want to look at systems throughout history and how you've you've rebuilt them you first have to tear them down and you tear them down through a variety of different methods you know i'll give you the analogy from um raz al ghul in batman begins you know when he talks about the league of shadows how their whole idea was to go into these places and ransack them and burn them to the ground because they're just the the uh, violence had gotten and the corruption had gotten too much and so well here you have bruce wayne uh, as he's going through his Training, arguing that, you know, Gotham is not beyond saving. And they're saying, Bruce, come on, look around this place. It's totally corrupt, man. There's violence everywhere. It's a mess. You just got to burn it down, tear it down. But 
for Krasner, it's not because he thinks that the violence is out of control. Violence is a means to get a city to tear itself apart. He really is like a supervillain, like Ra's al Ghul in that sense. You know, you tear it down and then you rebuild it. And you and 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 why would you punish people who are the victims of capitalism and capitalist largesse? Larry Krasner is a Marxist. He believes capitalism is to blame. So for him, everybody who was uh, who was rioting and destroying property last night in Philadelphia. They're just victims of the system, and that system needs to go. And this is how you achieve that end. You achieve it that way. And it's so out of touch with with reality, and it's so out of touch with common sense that you almost have to take your brain out of your head, really, to process it. But that's because you and I live in the real world. We don't live in a textbook. We don't live in academia. We don't live behind constructs. We live in reality. You know, there's, there's, there's book sense and street smarts. My dad used to tell me when I was a kid all the time. And my dad's a cop, right? So, I mean, he, he understood that first and foremost. It's one thing to learn a lot of things in books, but you've got to understand street smarts. Well, take that to the next level of street smarts and realize that there are people behind this movement of crime and violence who believe this is the natural course of events. George Soros is no dummy. He's got a lot of money, and he wants to make sure that district attorneys are in place who will not prosecute people for having things like illegal guns and quality of life crimes uh, and for things like rioting and looting because all of these things will help one day destroy the social fabric, and then he can rebuild it to their liking. There's, it's, it's not a mistake either that we have a massive illegal immigration problem in this country. This is also by design. You know, you have this invasion going on. It'd be very easy to stop, but instead of stopping it, it's still going on. Why? Well, it's not because the federal, federal government doesn't understand what's happening. It's not because they don't have a way of knowing. I mean, this is not, you know, 1807 where we just haven't sent enough people down there in stagecoaches yet. They don't want to stop it. This is how you're going to remake America. You're going to rebuild America in their vision. But first, you have to accomplish all these things. Yeah, it's very easy to look at the the rioting, the looting, the destruction of stores and property and think, okay, this is this is these are criminals and this is a sickness. Yes. But but who's behind all of this? Who's the, the, the evil villain mastermind behind this destruction of societal's society's fabric? And it's 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 people like George Soros and people like Larry Krasner and people like Jim Kenny. They are very angry, bitter people. And they believe and Kenny's not smart enough to really I mean, he just does what he's told. But Krasner's a smart guy. Soros is a very smart guy. They know what they're doing. They're not, they're not, this isn't a mistake that this is happening. They knew exactly what they were going to do yesterday when they said that when the judge threw the charges out against Officer Mark Dial, that this was not justice and they were demanding justice. They knew exactly what the encoded messages were. Encoded messages were, go ahead, go have fun. Time to party. Time to do what you got to do. Because this is how we're going to destroy America. This is how we're going to achieve that. Look, there's no question in my mind that we are watching America change. We are at the precipice right now of America changing forever for good. And the, the disconnect here between people who might vote Democrat and the Democrats in charge of the Democrat Party today could not be more clear. It, honestly, 
There are people who realized a long time ago, all right, we have a two-party system, and even though we're socialists and we're Marxists, the Democrat Party is going to be the vehicle that we, we travel in. Not the first time they've done this. They did this back in the 19-teens, too. You know, the word Marxist was very unpopular in Europe, and so they called themselves progressives. But it was the same mindset. It was the same thinking of Woodrow Wilson and his ilk and FDR and his ilk, and it is the same thinking today. It's not a surprise. None of this is a surprise to any of us. We all see it with our own eyes. But a lot of people are afraid to call it out. And that's also part of the idea. You know, the more they can scream racism, the, the less likely you are to want to talk about it. There's, you know, God forbid you get painted with that brush. Larry Krasner won't prosecute people for having illegal guns because he believes that they're victims of something else. The Second Amendment, the NRA, the gun manufacturers, society, capitalism, etc. And the argument is, well, they haven't really done anything. They just happen to have a gun on them that's illegal. Now, I mean, a, a common sense person would turn around and say, yeah, but don't you think if you got them off the streets because of the illegal gun, then they're not going to commit a crime because they're not on the streets. And if you sent them away, maybe that would also be a deterrent for other people to not have illegal guns. If you prosecuted people who actually went after the police, if you prosecuted people who were urinating on buildings in the middle of Rittenhouse Square, if you actually did these things, don't you think they'd be a disincentive and that they would maybe clean up the city little by little like other cities have done? But they don't want to. They're not interested in doing that. That's why the cops in this city have such a difficult job because they are trying to to, to do something uh, when they have the, their their the power structure doesn't want them to do it. They're trying to fight crime when the power structure doesn't want them to fight crime because crime is the means by which they're just going to tear society apart and rebuild it. Karl Marx wrote about this in, in the Communist Manifesto. He talks about why we have crime. We have crime because of the haves and the have-nots. And the answer to crime is to make sure that everybody shares. Everybody gets the same. You know, everybody's on the bread line together and nobody has to steal bread. This is how these people think and what they believe. And the real criminals are the people who are the billionaires and the millionaires and the corporations. And who cares if an Apple store gets looted when the CEO of Apple, Tim Cook, is a billionaire? I mean, who cares if Lululemon gets, gets looted when all those C-suite executives, who, by the way, are all woke, they're all making so much more money than the average worker. Who cares? It's a good thing. It's a good thing this is happening because it shines a spotlight on in, in, in inequity. Inequity. How many times do you hear the word equity, right? You hear that all the time? The rioting, the looting, the destruction, these are all means by which they can bring up and highlight inequity so that they can one day achieve equity for society. They have a very strong plan here. They really do. And what I'm worried about is, are we at the point now where we've just gone too far and it's just impossible to dial all this back? Because when they took over the Democrat Party, they also took it over at the local level as well. And so, yeah, people keep voting for this. They keep voting Democrat for a lot of different reasons. And they're not waking up to this fact. But the Democrat Party today is not even close to being anything resembling a Democrat Party of even a few years ago. It's why you have guys like Ed Rendell and Michael Nutter and Seth Williams coming out and saying, Larry Krasner's the problem. Larry Krasner's the problem. And it's the reason why you have Sherelle Parker now as the nominee, as the Democrat for mayor, because they're recognizing what the problem is. But that disconnect is very, very real. It's very real. And these people are about destruction, destroying society to rebuild it in their Marxist utopian vision. 
I know that sounds crazy, but it's not. It's actually what their goal is. It's actually what they're trying to do. And they're they're succeeding. I mean, that's the scary part about it. Just look at the border. Look at what happened last night. They're they're succeeding. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. That's why the presidential election is going to matter so much. It really will in a lot of different ways. But um, we also have to deal with the local level because Soros infiltrated the local level of politics. And until we deal with that problem, we're never going to really be able to fix the problem. And we just can't simply say America's over. We just, I refuse to allow that to be the case. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We got a big show today, a lot to talk about, a lot of audio from last night your reaction as well don't go away the zioli show on your schedule from talk radio 1210 wpht in the free odyssey app caught stealing but back on the streets welcome to the new reality caught stealing but back on the streets because uh, the people doing it are actually doing a favor they're helping out they're helping to collapse the system uh you know malcolm x warned people about democrats he did he he warned about liberals he warned about democrats not really liberals as much but but democrats the democrat party and how it would oppress and how it was oppressing black people in this country if you're somebody who believes the nonsense that larry krasner espouses about race right so in other words his his theory his thesis is we're not gonna encourage a policy whereby we go after illegal guns because disproportionately you're more likely to be black and have an illegal gun now if you believe that theory, that's like saying if you go to um, like a very white part of America, you know, say you're down in Appalachia or Appalachia, whatever they call it, and you go, we're not going to go after white people for for making crystal meth, okay? Because it's disproportionately white. I mean, there are certain areas where, based on the the makeup of of a population, people might be more likely to commit crimes based on their race. So if you look at it that from that perspective, you go, "Well, yeah, a bunch. I can't. We're not going to arrest people for meth because they're all white and it's racist." You would never actually think that way, but but Krasner does when it con- concerns illegal guns. He he says to Reason Magazine, you know, disproportionately people who have illegal guns are black, so they're more likely then to encounter the police. And if the police are looking for illegal guns, that's going to undermine what we're trying to do here to build trust in the community. That's a bunch of BS. And what do you say to black people who live in violent parts of Philadelphia, which is basically all Philadelphia now, uh, that, listen, you know, we don't really care about you and the safety of your family. We don't care if your son or daughter gets shot in the crossfire. We don't care if your kid dies of fentanyl. We don't We don't care about you as long as we don't look racist enforcing a policy, which is the law, by the way, that you can't have an illegal handgun. You can't have a legal gun. So we'd, we'd rather not look racist. And so we know that these people are going to be on the streets with illegal guns. And yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, you might be the ones that they're destroying. It might be your neighborhood they're destroying. But that's that's really we don't want to really go after the criminals because we don't really think that they are unless they do something criminal. You turn around and you go, wait a second, wait a second. I thought having an illegal gun is criminal. No, 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 no. That's just you have just that's just an illegal gun. You haven't done anything with it yet. You haven't you haven't committed a crime with it. And you, you scratch your head, you go, but, but, but yeah, but that's the idea. Get them, get, arrest them now when they have an illegal gun so they can't use the illegal gun in the commission of a crime. Krasner's not interested. He's not interested in doing that. 
And in fact, he points out, he, he comes up with all these statistics and he says, because again, like guys like him, they love statistics and they love, they go, well, yeah, but statistically speaking, the number of people who actually commit crimes in the city um, who have illegal guns have never been arrested before for those illegal guns. So uh, it's a myth to say that the people with illegal guns are committing the crimes. And you go, that makes absolutely no sense. And also, too, how many people are not arrested for committing like murder in Philadelphia because the crimes go unsolved? It's 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 a it's a bigger problem. But if if you address everything as a racial injustice, a societal injustice, inequity, you're always going to look at it through this lens of madness and chaos because you're, you're never going to look at criminals as, as problems. You're going to look at them as victims. I've been saying this stuff for years. I mean, this is nothing new. I've been staying, saying this for years. But what's interesting is that the Democrat Party now is running into a brick wall. That brick wall is that there are voters now who have figured out that the Democrat Party stands for this stuff. So let me play a couple clips here. First of all, this is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez justifying rioting and looting really looting in this particular clip she's justified both of course but here's alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. matt i sent you this earlier today justifying why people loot for example take a listen and so they go out and they need to feed their child and they don't have money so you maybe have to they're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night shoplift some bread or go hungry at night now that's a bunch of bs obviously if you really can't feed your family there's there's a gigantic social safety net there for you and your family especially in places like philadelphia and she knows that but that's that's again it's it's a reason to justify lawlessness and violence it's the same thing about you know you go into a pharmacy right you walk into a pharmacy and you see the diapers are under lock and key or baby formulas under lock and key. And you might look at that and you go, that, oh, that's heartbreaking. I mean, I can't imagine what it must be like to not be able to feed your family or put diapers on your kid. Well, obviously, you there are ways you can get help to be able to feed your children and put diapers on them. But the reason why these things are locked up is because they happen to be the most shoplifted items in a store that's the reason why they're locked up. Now, is that because people really can't feed their kids without stealing these things and society just misses that point? Or is it because the people that are stealing that are also stealing other things? And this is why when you see at one point, it used to just be formula and diapers and now it's formula diapers, um, shaving cream, toothbrushes, razors. The more you can steal, the less you have to spend the money that you have on other things. So if you can steal these things from pharmacies and other places, well, then you have more money to buy other things. It's not very complicated. The idea that there's really going to be any child in this country who's starving because the mother can't really afford formula or can't afford to put a diaper on that kid is ridiculous it's a ridiculous notion it's not why people steal those items they steal those items because they can and then they can use money to purchase other things and this is the way a lefty looks at it though is that they're just victims and so okay they'll justify stealing formula and diapers today and tomorrow it's razors i mean they got to shave and tomorrow it's clothes well they got to put clothes on and you know and go well why shouldn't they have an iphone and why 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 shouldn't they have a television and they got to entertain their kids too and their kids can't be alone see the more you go down this road the more you can justify everything literally being free and part of the social safety net I mean, come on, you know, they don't have childcare, so the kids gotta watch TV. So they have to steal a television. I mean, they gotta they gotta steal a television. And before you know it, you've justified giving away 
everything to people because the alternative is they steal it. And so the stores then are faced with a, with a choice. Do we put everything under lock and key where literally you walk in and you can't get anything without having to go to a clerk and have that clerk walk over and unlock something and hand it to you? Is that what we end up doing or do we just shut our doors and get the hell out of here? And what they're doing is they're saying, we're going to shut our doors and get the hell out of here, which also hurts the community because now you don't have a store anymore. So these places, a lot of these, these neighborhoods are already food deserts. Now you don't have any retail shops left either. It's a destructive moment in society. But again, it's not an accident that they're hoping that this is what happens. And there's a reason why you're allowed to steal a certain amount of money, a certain amount of goods in, in big cities in this country before you'll actually get prosecuted over it. There's a reason for that. It's that same mindset. Well, they just, they need it. They need it. Who are you to tell them that they can't steal bread for their family? They got to feed their family. It's a lie. We have created in the United States of America a gigantic social safety net, but it's not enough. And it won't be enough until everybody in America everybody is on some form of a government entitlement everybody and the more that you can argue that people are shoplifting the more that you can argue that the things are being stolen is the more you can make the case of society's inequities really you could crack down on shoplifting very easily if you wanted to you would just arrest people for shoplifting and you'd send them to prison over it But do you really want to crack down on shoplifting? No, you don't. Not if you're AOC, not if you're Kenny, not if you're Krasner, not if you're George Soros. No, these individuals who are going in and stealing things are highlighting society's inequity. And the only answer to that is to give out more more goods, to give things away, to, to make things more equitable. This is what they're trying to achieve for America. They are trying to turn this country into a Marxist utopia where you don't ever have to worry about bread because you just go in line and you just get your bread. Interestingly enough, you know, the analogy she uses, and she's not smart enough to figure this out, but the entire premise of the character of Jean Valjean from Les Mis, he was arrested for stealing bread through a window to feed his, uh, his sister's kids. That was, that was a long time ago. Nobody has to steal bread in America anymore to eat. Nobody. Of course, that was France, but you get the point. I mean, nobody has to steal bread. It's not why people steal bread. If they steal bread, it's because they're stealing other things, and then whatever money they don't have to spend on bread, they can then spend on something that's harder to steal. It's not complicated. And when opportunities arise where people have the opportunity to get things without paying for them, people will do it unless there's something called a disincentive, i.e. you get arrested and you go to jail for doing it. Crime is very rational if you think about it. Why the hell should I have to work? Why should I have to work when I can just get things? Why should I have to worry about busting my ass all day, going to a job, and not that I do, but you know, other people, and then I got to worry about doing that when I can just take it? You know what I mean? I just take it. And the only reason that keeps private property from being taken by other people who haven't earned it and don't have the means to purchase it is, is, is the law. That's it. That's the one thing that holds it all together is just the law. The minute that you just simply turn around and say the law doesn't matter anymore, we're not prosecuting people for that, then the whole thing crumbles and private property rights disappear. And oh, by the way, that's not an accident. America was founded on individual liberty, yes, but also private property rights. People don't talk about this enough. Our country was founded on private property rights. It's essential that we fight for them. That's why when you have court decisions like Kelo, for example, where they rule that the government can come in and take your home 
away from you in order to build a, a, a Rite Aid or something like that because it's better for the community. It was an outrageous, outrageous decision. It's criminalizing government theft. America was built on private property rights, but how do you how do you enforce private property rights if you don't have people enforcing the law that will prosecute people if they steal your stuff? Those goods in Target don't belong to society. They belong to Target. Target purchased them from the suppliers and the manufacturers and then is selling them to you. But if you don't enforce the law that says you can't steal that private property because the people who enforce the laws, I mean not the cops, but the people at the hierarchy, don't believe you have any right to tell people they can't have access to that stuff because they're just victims of capitalism, then the whole system crumbles. And that's the idea. That's literally the idea. I know I got to take a break, but here's James Carville talking about social constructs and uh, constructs, and I think he nails it here. Take a listen. It's 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 a lot what we were just saying before about people have to be able to talk to each other, even if you don't completely agree. The other person is not a deplorable. I get it. Like I would so, never. I would some never. Some of them are. Of course they are. Some of them are. Yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. But yeah, that's true. And some people on the left are deplorable. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I find the left to be just annoying. Exactly. They're, just, they're, they're more than just not, they're just annoying. Exactly. And the Western far left is habitually the most stupid, naive people you can imagine. And they come up with these really goofy Constructs and it's all about feeling, feeling, feeling good about yourself. Yeah, well, just the, feeling, as opposed to like free speech. Like if your feelings are hurt, that's more important than free speech. Constructs, social constructs. This is exactly the idea. The exactly the idea uh, behind the thinking of people like Soros, Krasner, Kenny, etc., uh, etc. Et eight five five eight three nine twelve ten on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. It's a busy, busy show today. Busy afternoon. I got a lot of audio of the chaos last night in Philadelphia. Uh, don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. All right, we got a uh, lot to chat about today. Tonight's the, uh, the debate, obviously. We'll talk about that as well. And uh, i got a couple good guests coming up, too, on the show today. Let me just play. I want to play a little audio for you. This is uh, Philadelphia's interim commissioner last night on the looters, John uh, Stanford. John Stanford. Um, I was very impressed by a lot of the things he said last night. Uh, cut number one. What we had tonight was a bunch of criminal opportunists take advantage of a situation and make an attempt to destroy our city. And so, and, and again, it's not going to be tolerated. Uh, we made arrests and we will continue to make arrests until we have uh, all of the individuals or a number of the individuals that have been responsible for what we've seen tonight uh, in custody. It's disgusting, to be very honest, right? And to see what our city went through um, in 2020 and to have, um, you know, some individuals try to recreate that same type of energy tonight is, is disgusting. And, and again, at the end of the day, we're going to press on until we're able to get those folks in custody um, because, again, it, it, it has no space in the city. And, and there are too many people that worked hard in the business community, too many people throughout communities in this city um, that don't deserve the, the, that type of behavior. 
You know, I mean, he's gonna, they're going to arrest him. They already have 49 adults and three juveniles arrested in 76 total incidents. Steve Keeley tweeting this out from Fox 29, including a Northeast Philly car lot where seven vehicles were stolen. Just one was recovered so far. They'll arrest him. The question is, will they actually be prosecuted? And will the prosecutions actually stick? By design, they probably won't. Remember, these are victims. These are these are these these individuals who did this last night from the police commissioner's mindset. They're criminals. Yes. And he's absolutely right. That's how cops view it. But Krasner views them as victims who are just expressing their outrage and also the fact that they don't have enough as everybody else because capitalism has denied them. Blah, 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 blah. I'm just saying that's how they view it. That's how they view this stuff. Here's the Philadelphia police last night. They arrest the live stream looter. This actually was a thing last night. This woman was live streaming as she was looting. Cut two. Why are we for They want me bad. CNN's uh, chief law enforcement and intelligence analyst, John Miller, last night uh, or this morning on CNN was discussing what was happening there. made a lot of uh, important points to know. Cut number three. Why is this happening and is it connected in some way? Well, what we saw um, in New York when we had the two nights of looting after the George Floyd protests were very similar, which is we had protesters marching in protesters the looters came in caravans of cars. They were working in sophisticated communications networks. They had lookouts on scooters. They weren't there to protest. They were there to steal. They were talking about, you know, we're here to get paid. Um, in Philadelphia, you see the protests they had yesterday. These weren't the protesters. These were young, young kids, uh, teenagers, early 20s. Same thing, caravans of vehicles, um, a plan to go hit specific stores and get specific goods. They were able to kind of fly under the protest radar maybe as part of it but that's according to the police commissioner of philadelphia not what they were there for um okay i know this is the issue in california i don't know if it's the law in in philly and they also showed minneapolis where this has been happening in california if it's under a thousand dollars worth of goods taken it's a misdemeanor and so there are some who argue that by having that law in place it just doesn't put a stop to this is that the case in all these cities is that part of this I think it is. And, you know, the litmus test there is where is this happening? And you're seeing this kind of, uh, you know, looting happening. I mean, uh, shoplifting and organized retail theft happen in uh, places like New York, Los Angeles, Philadelphia. Um, If you look at where Target closed nine stores yesterday, four stores in San Francisco, stores in Seattle, stores in Portland, stores in New York. Um, These are places where bail reform laws, criminal justice reforms have taken the inside of a jail cell out of the equation. So shoplifting is a crime where a judge can't set bail. Think about this. In New York City, there are just over 300 people who have between them 4,000 arrests. 70% of them are not in jail, and they account for 30% of all shoplifting in New York. This is actually their job. They go out to steal every day. And that has gone up significantly because they know 
getting put in jail is not in the equation any longer because of the laws that say it's a no bail offense and DA's policies are they don't want people in custody for what they call nonviolent crimes. Bingo. Bingo. Exactly right. Here's another clip, and I think he really, really hits this home here with this concept, okay? This is shopping without money. Cut four. Interestingly, they did a survey of stores, the Retail Federation, uh, in 22 that said uh, 81% of their store associates feel that the people stealing are becoming more violent and aggressive when Mm -hmm. confronted. And... 54% of them feel that this bail reform where they have shoplifters telling them there's nothing you can do and I'm I'm not going to jail is a factor there. So is it going up as dramatically as some of these stories portray? If you look at it nationally, that's a harder statistic to grapple with. But if you look at where it's going up significantly, it's going up in cities uh, where you have these policies and people who realize this is just like shopping without money. He said it quite well, quite well. Big four o'clock hour coming up, including Brown University honors a cop killer who we all know very, very well, Mumia. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Shopping without money. That's how these people in these cities view it. Shopping without money. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. This uh, clip that I played you just before. CNN's chief law enforcement and intelligence analyst, John Miller. It's going up in cities where you have these policies and people realize this is just like shopping without money. It's unconscionable. It really is. But it's everything I described to you in my opening monologue, including the Batman analogy, which makes perfect sense. And where the hell is Batman right now, right? 855-839-1210 is the number. But I want to turn our attention to something disgraceful that Brown University did Here to talk about it with us is uh, Matt Lamb, associate editor at the College Fix. College Fix does great work, Matt. Hey, thanks for joining me. I got to tell you, one of my uh, favorite sites to go to is the College Fix. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. So the piece that I have here in my formerly uh, pangolin-stained fingers has to do with uh, one of the the biggest uh, low-life murderers in Philadelphia history. That, of course, is Mumia Abu-Jamal. The piece that you have here is that uh, Brown University is celebrating him. Tell us about it. So starting today, Brown University, which last year acquired the papers of uh, Mumia Abu-Jamal, whose real name is Wesley Cook. Um, Starting today, they're holding a three-day symposium about mass incarceration, um, which is all centered around um, this cop murderer who killed a Philadelphia police officer um, about 40 years ago, whose name was Danny Faulkner. Um, But apparently, actually, I I learned this earlier today, Temple University's criminal justice department is actually bringing people um, 
to this symposium this weekend and they're going to get like a hotel and meals and all this but this is they're going to play his music that he wrote in prison and it's part of the university called a fierce national debate about uh, racial injustice and the ethics of the death penalty there's no debate over his guilt. Everybody knows that that he killed Officer Danny Faulkner. Uh, as you know, I mean, uh, his his widow, Maureen Faulkner, who's a great friend of mine personally in the show, she has come to Philadelphia every single time she's had a deal with Mumia back in court uh, because he, he, of course, keeps trying to appeal and, and it, it's still putting the Faulkner family through this this nightmare. Uh, but but yeah, there, there's this 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 folk movement behind him from from Ben and Jerry's to other people out there that actually believe he's just sort of an innocent victim. Everybody who studied this knows Mumia murdered Danny Faulkner. Everybody knows this. This is this is not this is not some some secret. Um, but for some reason, this myth persists that Mumia is is a victim here. Right. And so, you know, as I point out in my piece of the college fix, you know, I don't know what the two sides of the debate are, but there must be one side believes that it believes it's wrong to shoot police officers in the back multiple times. Um, and then those who think, quote, I shot the mother blanker and I hope the mother blanker dies, you know, is just a figure of speech. And this is what Jamal said. Um, and, and, you know, there, there are witnesses, there are more witnesses that put him at the scene of the crime shooting Danny Faulkner than than that that don't. Um, but, you know, they're going to host black Marxist Angela Davis, who, you know, found out a couple months ago that she's actually the granddaughter of a white slave owner. Uh, and there will be panels. And like I said, there'll be a public performance of original music. Um, but as I suggest in my piece, you know, maybe we could play the music from Faulkner's funeral to remind, you know, the professors and the activists who the real victim is, because it's not the cop murderer. But this is a, a big problem that I, I think really goes into something that I was talking about earlier in the show, which is the mindset of criminal justice majors in colleges. They become Larry Krasner's, you know, they, they become the George Soros funded prosecutors. They, they, they absorb all this crap. They absorb this nonsense and then they eventually get law degrees and then they eventually wind up working in district attorney's offices where they pursue the policies that they think for example, would help a guy like uh, Wesley Cook get out of prison. Absolutely. There was actually a, a liberal prosecutor out of Virginia that let a uh, football player, I believe, out of jail. Um, and he later ended up um, assaulting and killing, I believe, believe uh, a cross-dressing gay man or something who was i won't get into the the, the details but you know they, they they let these people out and i don't really understand why murderers are their cause you know there are, are their cause I, I perhaps would be you know i'm, I'm a little sympathetic to a 16 year old who's caught with a joint in their pocket um but i as you know people who murder cops um who you know commit these violent crimes uh they really should not be the face of mass incarceration but this happens on universities uh, chessa bowden um who you know was too liberal for san francisco voters just got a nice new deal at university of california berkeley's law school um, where he's going to direct their legal clinic and like you said train future attorneys and future district attorney and future district attorneys <clears throat> and 
I mean, we, we see this now. We see that George Soros is behind this mindset of getting these people elected to office and they, they are soft on, on people who go after the cops or soft on people who commit crimes. They're soft on all of this. The, the, the Mumia issue is really, really personal to a lot of us around here. I mean, obviously, and, you know, you link to DanielFaulkner.org, which is I'm glad you do in your piece at the College Fix. Uh, the book Murdered by Mumia, which was co-authored by Maureen Faulkner and Michael Smirkanish, lays out in great detail everything there's there's no doubts there's no question i mean you know he murdered faulkner danny faulkner there's no one no one doubts this but yet the the myth persists among some very very progressive causes celebrities out there and 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 mumia has become this cause celeb and what what i i think infuriates me is actual evidence would would disprove that but they don't care about evidence and facts which kind of brings me to what we saw happen in philadelphia last night you know we saw people rioting in the streets looting stores looting stealing and they they don't believe anymore that there's going to be consequences to their actions and and really they're not wrong right because a lot of these prosecutors who sat there in law school and and absorbed all this crap Mm -hmm. they don't believe in charging people for things like retail theft anymore they don't believe in charging people for quality of life crimes they're victims just like mumi is a victim absolutely and we know that when we prosecute those lower crimes right the broken windows policing that was so successful under giuliani in new york that we stop the larger crimes and you know in in this case of course uh you know ganey faulkner was was uh, white but in many times the victims end up being other minorities that you know they're they're the ones that ultimately end up getting killed when these people who steal liquor they're not they're not put in prison or they're not even prosecuted they're not put on probation then they end up going on to commit you know awful crimes and you know i guess in this case eventually then they get a special celebration at brown university of all places you know what's also frustrating about this is that mumia should be dead by now i mean he should he should have been executed he's not ever going to be executed obviously and yet when you read about this brown symposium this library exhibition to shed light on the experience and impact of incarceration you using him as the as the figurehead here for the three thousand people awaiting execution on america's death rows Mumia Abu-Jamal is not waiting for execution on death row. And that's the other problem here is that that scumbag agreed to not appeal anymore and to just let it all go if they would not execute him. And he's still, still trying to get out of prison today. So it's very deceptive of Brown to come out and suggest that 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 he's he's some sort of a, a figurehead in this movement here. There are people who are incarcerated in prison who uh, did not. They were nonviolent, you know, people who had drug possession, people who there's lots of stories like that i have no problem if they highlight that you know the 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 mom who uh, to make ends meet you know sold pot and now she's doing 30 years you want to talk about that fine why they highlight a cop killer who everybody knows is guilty as that's the guy you're going to use to highlight incarceration in america is just absolutely insulting to the memory of danny faulkner and and by the way to every cop in america Absolutely. And and one other thing I'll just point out that Brown University does is they sort of try to imply something. So they say that 
his death sentence was overturned, but his conviction was never overturned. Correct. Um, and, you know, and, and, I, and, and as you say, you know, it sounds like he, you know, he agreed as part of this deal. And I'll say that I've personally tr- sort of changed my opinion on the death penalty with Daryl Brooks and then reading other stories like this, that I think once the evidence is pretty strong and you've had your chance to appeal, um, that, you know, I, I think that's going to be more effective if we applied it you know, very, very quickly. And then we wouldn't have to have these conversations about these, these people anymore. And, and so-called, you know, national debates, uh, about, about quote, racial injustice. Well, it's an excellent piece. I'm glad you, you pointed this out and you brought this to our attention, Matt Lamb, associate editor of the college Brown university celebrates a cop killer. Thanks my friend. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for having me. The Rich Cioli right. Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. You know, just I, I thought I couldn't be fired up enough today, but now I'm really, really fired up. And I want to thank Lou C39 on Twitter for this. You know, you know, Matt DeSantis, I've long said that my ideas are stolen all the freaking time. Have I not said that? Uh, you have said it. Yes. We are approaching, I want to make a point, October 3rd will be our one-year anniversary of the triumphant return to Afternoon Drive. In the year, we have we are, we are closing in on 2 million podcast downloads. 2 million in a year. That's pretty good. That's very good. No, it's damn good, DeSantis. Show a little enthusiasm. <laughs> it's okay, I guess. I'm, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm happy with them. Two million in a year? That's very good. Very, very good. Okay. But what happens is people listen and they steal my ideas. So how long ago did I come up with Cocaine White House Dogs as my movie? Oh, months ago. Months ago. I literally have it in my Twitter bio. In my Twitter bio, it says, uh, Afternoons 3 to 7 on Philadelphia's Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Filmmaker behind, quote, Cocaine White House Dogs. That was my movie. I talked about it months ago. I mentioned it yesterday. Glenn Beck knows better because he used to be on this radio station years ago. So he knows better. And he once said Philly sucks. Well, he just tweeted out 26 minutes ago. Nobody thought to check the West Wing cocaine bag for paw prints. And he puts a link to a poster, Cocaine Commander, inspired (laughs) by true events. Secret Service beware. I should sue Glenn Beck. That seems like theft to me. That's intellectual property theft right there. (laughs) You must listen to the podcast. Somebody listens, that's for damn sure. (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. I told you yesterday, you have to keep some of these ideas to yourself because I think you, you had a TV show idea the other day. You blabbed it to the entire world. Now I'm sure somebody is pitching it to, uh, to TV executives at NBC. Yeah, my TV idea was my my psycho ex. Your dating show, yeah. Yeah, it's a dating show <laughs> where everybody presents their psycho ex and then somebody has to be stuck dating one of the psycho exes. So it's like a reverse dating show. Well, I guess you don't want to get picked. It's, you know? it's coming to a network soon. I'm almost certain of it. It's going to be huge. Cocaine White House Dogs, which is a sequel to Cocaine Bear and Cocaine Shark, it's going to be huge. It's still coming out this summer. I just have to write it, produce it, edit it. But now I need to copyright it, too, apparently. Also, what the hell is Cocaine Shark? Oh, that's a real thing. They did this thing on... They're coming out with this Cocaine... I think Cocaine Great White Shark or something. They For Shark Week, they had all these sharks. 
and they had boats, you know, where they, because what happens is like when the Coast Guard or the Navy I- intercepts drug dealers, mm-hmm. they'll just toss the cocaine overboard. Makes sense. And w- right. And what happens is the, the sharks eat it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is true. The, the sharks no eat the cocaine and they all go freaking crazy. You don't believe that, but a, a bear ate cocaine and you believe that? Yeah, that, that made sense to me. But not a shark. That hap- but it all happened. It's all true. It's not like it's one or the other. It's yeah. all true. But he's choosing to believe that one animal can ingest cocaine by chance, but not the other one. I'm thinking the sharks probably don't ingest very much cocaine. No. The bear, that may- that makes more sense to me. Well, I don't know about that. The great white sharks eat the cocaine, and then they go freaking crazy. And we're going to need a bigger boat. But it's still not nearly as impactful as cocaine White House dogs about Major and Commander who did Hunter's cocaine and then started biting Secret Service agents. It's my movie, Glenn Beck. Don't steal my movie. Don't steal my movie, Beck. <laughs> you got to stop talking about it. More people are going to hear about it. Uh, you're going to lose it. It's going to be gone. It's very frustrating to me. <laughs> All right, 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to weigh in. I want to just play that clip again of uh, John Miller from CNN, the chief law enforcement and intelligence analyst. I think it's excellent uh, in the context of what's happening in these Democrat-run cities because they're not prosecuting retail theft. Cut number four. Interestingly, they did a survey of stores, the Retail Federation, uh, in 22 that said, uh, 81% of their store associates feel that the people stealing are becoming more violent and aggressive when mm-hmm. confronted. And 54% of them feel that this bail reform where they have shoplifters telling them there's nothing you can do and I'm, and I'm not going to jail is a factor there. So is it going up as dramatically as some of these stories portray? If you look at it nationally, that's a harder statistic to grapple with. But if you look at where it's going up significantly, it's going up in cities uh, where you have these policies and people who realize this is just like shopping without money. This is just like shopping without money. You cannot make this up. You really cannot make this up. It's just, it, it, it's absolutely insane. But this is where we are. And th- th- this is the direct result of the policies of Democrat-run cities, and it's on purpose. It is on purpose. Look, realize something now, okay? If you get food stamps or WIC or whatever it's called with the idea being that you have to use that for certain things, okay? And, you, and you're not supposed to buy booze with it. You're not supposed to buy TVs with it. You're supposed to be able to feed your kids with it. But you don't want to feed your kids with it. You you want to use money for other purposes, but you can't. So then what do you do? Well, you don't use that for, for that purpose. You steal things and then you sell them. And that's exactly what John Miller's talking about. It has become, retail theft has become an industry now where people go into these stores and steal things and then sell them to people and then what happens is you, 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 you have a situation where you've created this mindset where people who might actually need help, you know, the mom who really for a short time needs to be able to feed her kids. Now, suddenly you've gotten rid of that because people become entitled to things are free. Things are free. I don't have to, I don't have to pay for those things. But why, why is it I can only buy those things? Why can't I buy this? 
and they get angry about it and they get frustrated about it but that's the whole point it is convincing people that they are entitled to these things that's the problem with entitlements it's why the word entitlements is such a problem you're not entitled to anything in life nothing i know i know that that sounds cruel and harsh but it's reality you're not entitled to a damn thing but if you convince people you are entitled to things then the next question is why am i not entitled to that And then people turn around and go, well, really, you should be. Why shouldn't you be? Why shouldn't you be able to have a TV? Why shouldn't you be able to have an iPhone? Why shouldn't you be able to have shoes? Why shouldn't you be able to have these things? All these various things. And not just shoes, but the Gucci's and the whatever. Then that becomes also the mindset. And then you have politicians who literally espouse this crap. And they espouse this crap from city councils, from mayoral offices, and from district attorney's offices. And they believe this. They do believe it. So if somebody goes in and steals a television, that why shouldn't they be able to have that television? Why should they just be why should they just have to limit it to bread and milk and formula and diapers? Why? Why should why should they not be able to get that as well? And they believe this. And it's happening in Democrat cities because they have allowed retail theft up to a thousand dollars to become the norm. TVs are a couple hundred bucks these days. Think about it. TVs are a couple hundred bucks. So why can't you steal a television? The only, the only thing that's stopping you is it's too big. But then when you loot, well, then you have to worry about that. Because now you don't have to worry about getting it through the door. You get it through the broken window. See what I mean? But it's the same entitlement mindset that is created here. Same thing. Sure, maybe I can't put a television under my jacket. But at the very same time, if I were to be able to convince you know, my friends to help me distract the clerk, or the clerk's in on it, and I walk out with the TV and the cops come... They can't do anything. I haven't broken the $1,000 threshold. I'm not going to jail. I stole a flat-inch television, and I still have not actually really broken the law. But if you can just loot, because, because there was, there was a, uh, as, as the mayor or the district attorney says, racial injustice, and there's going to be protests, and now you can take advantage of that because there's going to be looting going on, you don't have to worry about distracting the clerk. You can walk in and take it. Walk in and take it. And then whatever other entitlements you have, whatever other social safety net services that are there, supposedly there to help you and your family, you can use that stuff for other things. Or you can buy things with that and resell it, which also happens. You could do lots of different things with it. But it's, it's all about the mindset. It's exactly the same mindset. When you, when you have a country that believes that they are, when people are entitled to things, that they can get without having to work for them, that's the problem. That's the problem right there. And it's the same mindset when you have people, when you have people who believe that $1,000 in stolen retail theft is not actually a crime. Think about that. You have destroyed private property rights in the United States of America. That television belongs to somebody. A loaf of bread belongs to somebody. It belongs to somebody else. But if you destroy that mindset, you destroy capitalism, you destroy America. America cannot exist without private property rights. It cannot. It is one of the fundamental hallmarks of liberty. Private property rights, which is something that the left absolutely hates. 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to weigh in. All right, listen. Here's the deal. Uh, we are, it's fall now. It's great. We're red October's here. Before you know it, holiday time. You're going to be bulking up, putting on the pounds, all the tailgates, all watching the games and everything. 
the question is, do you really want to lose weight by taking shots the rest of your life? If the answer is no, then you're making a good choice because you don't want to do that. Shots, pills, hormones, all that stuff, not good for the rest of your life. What you want to do is you want to do it the right way, the guaranteed way, the NJ diet way. NJ diet works. It's contractually guaranteed weight loss of 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days time. Plus, you actually learn the right way to eat and you learn the the strategies to keep the weight off. So it is a life-changing program, but it's all natural, excuse me. There's no surgery, no hormones, no shots, no prepackaged foods, which taste awful, just real weight loss. And there is a NJ diet near you. Princeton, King of Prussia, Cherry Hill, Newark, Delaware, or online with live online video consultations at njdiet.com. Call them today at 855-5-NJ-DIET. You will lose the weight guaranteed, and you'll feel great just as everybody's putting on the pounds around the holidays without shots, without hormones, without any of that nonsense. 855-5-NJ-DIET or njdiet.com. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Shopping without money. 855-839-1210 if you want to weigh in today. Are you planning to watch the debate tonight? And uh, what are you expecting? I told you I think it's uh, DeSantis' last chance to really prove to the element of the Republican Party that wants to stop Donald Trump that he's their guy. After tonight, if he doesn't if he doesn't do that, I think they start going candidate shopping is my my sense of it. Um, Trump's lead is just it's just so insurmountable at this point. I don't I don't see how anybody can surpass it i really don't i think the political reality is just that he's going to be the nominee i've been telling you that for a while but um but there are some people who will not accept that within the republican party they're still going to try to push for somebody else i also want to mention this too you know when i when i look at uh the news of the day today I, i sometimes think to myself how is it that the central intelligence agency the deep state can be just so brazen but they are they really are and they don't care they just don't care about liberty. They don't care about protecting the Constitution in any way, shape, or form. The post-millennial had this story. The CIA is using artificial intelligence to sift through an avalanche of public information. The move comes as the CIA and other government entities seek to harness the power of AI and compete with China. So members of the CIA have revealed that it will be rolling out a feature similar to OpenAI's well-known ChatGPT. The CIA's open source enterprise division is set to provide intelligence agencies with the AI tool in short order. Quote, we've gone from newspapers and radio to newspapers and television to newspapers and cable television to basic Internet to big data. And it just keeps going, said Randy Nixon, the division's director. We have to find the needles in the needle field. The push for the CIA to more easily access large troves of data is part of a larger government campaign to utilize the power of artificial intelligence in order to properly compete with China. While the CIA claims the data is entirely publicly and commercially available, the agency did not specify how it plans to stop information from pouring into the open Internet. They say the agency is diligent about adhering to U.S. privacy laws. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I have no doubts about that. Despite this, some still remain concerned about potential privacy violations. The Office of the Director of National Intelligence has voiced concerns about intelligence groups such as the CIA morphing into largely unregulated commercial marketplaces 
that can acquire troves of private data about people, including physical locations pulled from their mobile devices. This is where you get into the real issue of the Fourth Amendment. And what the government is doing right now is it's arguing that basically if the it's it's the uh, if something's out in public, you know, if they can see it. Well, then they don't need a warrant. It's that same mindset. Right. So if it's out there on the Internet and they can trove through it and get it, well, then they don't need a warrant. So they can they can get whatever information is is, is open source, so to speak. And they can compile whatever they need and they can they can have it at the push of a button. They can know everything about you at the push of a button. And they don't need a warrant to go into your private life because it's already out there publicly accessible. No different than if they looked through a window and they saw, you know, an Uzi sitting on the counter and they're, well, it's in plain sight. So, you know, I can see it. So there we go. That's their mindset with this. And it's very, very, very destructive to liberty. But there's no stopping them at this point. They're already doing it. They believe that if if something about you is online, they have every right to get it and they have every right to use it, read it, store about it, whatever, keep it, whatever they got to do, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's not like they're going to go to a judge and say, your honor, we want to learn more about this person because we have the following reasons to believe they might be guilty of a crime. And so we'd like permission to do a Google search on them. They just do it. They just do the looking. And then if they need a warrant for something else, then down the line, they do it. They go and get that. The AI tool will give the user the ability to view the original source of any given information they may access, and that utilizing a chat feature is a key part of getting intelligence to be disseminated more quickly. That you can take it to the next level and start chatting and asking questions of the machines to give you answers. Our collection can just continue to grow and grow with no limitations other than how much things cost, as if that's ever a limitation for the federal government, right? The new AI tool will be given to the entire eight-agency U.S. intelligence community, with the CIA, the National Security Agency, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and numerous branches of the military, all among those who are allowed access. What could possibly go wrong, right? This also comes as a story that Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor, you always have to say that by law, of course, secretly went to CIA headquarters to influence the COVID-19 origins probe. According to the House Select Subcommittee on the Origins of the Coronavirus Pandemic, they had um, every effort was undertaken to make sure that nobody thought that the virus came from the lab and everybody thought it came from an undercooked bat burger. So they brought in these analysts and the CIA paid them to say that it came from zoonotic transmission. And Fauci was brought to the CIA. And the question is, according to a whistleblower, that the information provided suggested Fauci was escorted into the CIA headquarters without a record of entry and participated in the analysis to influence the agency's review of COVID-19 in the early days of the pandemic. The date of Fauci's alleged off-the-books visit to CIA headquarters in Langley is not mentioned in the letter to the HHS Inspector General, but he says, the chairman of the committee, Brett Wenstrup, says the American people deserve the truth to know the origins of the virus and whether there was a concerted effort by public health authorities to suppress the lab leak theory for political or national security purposes. Well, of course there was. Of course, of course, they absolutely cover this up. And I have two theories on this. Theory number one, China deliberately let this virus escape from the lab it wasn't it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a, an accidental lab leak it was an intentional lab leak and they did it because they wanted to bring down trump's presidency that's theory number one theory number two is that 
okay, the virus got out of a lab, but it was accidental, but they all know that they created it and paid for it, so they wanted to cover their tracks because the gain-of-function gravy train has to keep on running. Either way, it's incredibly problematic that our government took steps to cover for China. Either way, it's incredibly, incredibly disconcerting that that our government took steps to mislead the American people into believing that COVID-19 came from an undercooked bat burger and not from the Wuhan lab. Either way, no matter how you look at it, it is incredibly troubling. And there's a cover-up going on, still going on, surrounding all of this. And why would the CIA give a damn about where COVID-19 came from if not for the fact that there were deep state forces within the CIA? We know this because of the people who were behind the letter around the Hunter Biden laptop that originated from the CIA to get those 51 former national intelligence officials to all collaborate on the letter saying the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinfo. Was the CIA working to bring down Trump? Was that the reason why uh, they took such efforts to say that this virus did not come from a lab? Why else would the CIA care about covering up for China? See what I mean? Or was it that this was absolutely a bioweapon and it was made by the United States of America in the Wuhan lab and they wanted to cover their tracks on that? Either way... We got to get to the truth of this. No question about it. Coming up, the feds are going after Amazon.com. But why? What is their motivation? We're going to talk to a very, very prominent legal mind, a person that you know quite well, Robert Bork Jr. He's got a new piece on this. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Just an FYI, I just saw on Twitter that Steve Keeley just posted that I guess police are looking right now, possibly they're hearing reports on social media uh, that there's going to be more trouble tonight. So I just retweeted that and they have uh, cops on bikes in Center City going around by, uh, let's see if I can find the tweet here. Yeah, lots of Philly police officers and Philadelphia sheriff's deputies on guard and on bikes circling the Center City Philadelphia Mall, the fashion district. Police saw on social media posts trouble planned and that's why they're on guard for anything that may be tried here the day after the looting that occurred uh we'll talk more about that obviously but i want to welcome back to the show robert bork jr he is of course a very accomplished legal mind himself and the author of uh, a number of different books he's president of the antitrust education project and president of the bork communication group uh thanks for joining me here today uh, mr bork we appreciate it how are you I'm great. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Absolutely. So your latest piece over at RealClearPolitics.com, will Khan break Amazon or will her lawsuit break her? And we're ta- of course, we're talking about the, uh, the chair of the Federal Trade Commission, who is now going after Amazon.com in an antitrust case. And uh, you asked this important question because uh, you, you see that this was something she's been planning to do for quite some time, huh? Well, uh, Amazon is Lena Khan's white whale, okay? I mean, she, she's been after Amazon for years. Uh, when she, and she, in fact, she made her, made her name writing an article for the Yale Law Review when she was a law student uh, attacking Amazon uh, as a uh, antitrust, uh, as a monopoly. And uh, that brought her to the attention of people in Washington, and so... Uh, when the Biden administration, when Joe Biden became president, uh, pushed by Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts, uh, they made her, uh, they nominated her for the FTC. And then 
quite as a surprise when she was confirmed as a, just a commissioner, they made her the chair. Uh, and, uh, and she has been come, going after alleged monopolists. She's been basically going after big business in general. And any deal, any merger, any acquisition has come uh, you know, into her, the crosshairs uh, of, her, uh, of her agency. And, uh, and Amazon is, is the big one, as we, we say. It's, it's, it's the white whale for her. And what, what's the argument here that that would make Amazon, you know, the, the guilty of this? I mean, I, I like Amazon. I think a lot of prime customers do. There's there's a lot they offer. But I also don't have to use Amazon. There's there's other options for me out there. So, well, what is the argument yeah. here that Amazon is some sort of a monopoly? Well, uh, it's big. Uh, there you go. It's there you big. go. <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> uh, it, you know, one one. You know, it's it's so big that well, you might think it was a monopoly, but the question is really how you define what a monopoly is. What markets are you talking about? Is it in terms of online uh, retailers? Well, it's it's pretty darn big. Uh, is it in terms of retailers in general? Uh, you know, it's got a lot of competition uh, from uh, Walmart and Target and others. In fact, you mentioned uh, you like them. Uh, well, uh, the uh, polling shows. Amazon is second only to the U.S. military in terms of the most trusted uh, uh, institution in America. Wow. So, you know, pe- people like them and and their prices, you know, she goes on about how they're raising prices and and uh, and and hurting consumers. But the research shows that uh, their prices are 13 percent lower than the other 12 major retailers. So I think that it's going to be a hard case for the uh, uh, FTC to, to win. But winning may not be what they're about. This is, this is the, uh, trick, the trick of this whole thing, the, the secret card trick here. Um, you know, she loses, and she's been losing lots of cases. She brings lots of cases. She's been losing lots of cases because the law is not on her side. The law which puts uh, the consumer welfare standard, which puts the consumer first, it's hard to win if you just want to say everything is uh, everything. Every 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 company is um, hurting consumers. You have to prove it, and they can't. So, the, so what's going to happen? I think is uh, she uh, may very well lose this case. Now, of course, there will be an appeal to the Ninth Circuit. Uh, she very cleverly brought it in Seattle, where all the federal judges, all the sitting federal judges, active federal judges in Seattle, are all Biden appointees. So one of them will get it, um, and they all none of them have antitrust experience. They're all sort of ACLU types. And um, so they may very well win at the trial level. Then they'll go to the appellate level, and they will probably win there because the Ninth Circuit is the most liberal uh, appellate uh, court in the country. And then they'll end up going to the Supreme Court. This is going to go on for years. It's probably going to go on after she's gone from the FTC. Um, but you never know what's going to happen there. But it seems like the- again, she, her, to answer your question, I'm sorry, because I wandered off. The her, her allegation is that they're they're raising prices. They're abusive to sellers, um, who of course uh, actually do very well selling on Amazon. Hell, I sell on Amazon. Uh, I, I have my father's book, The Antitrust Paradox, is selling on Amazon. So it's doing very well there, uh, and uh, you know it, it's fine for me. And I think a lot of sellers feel the same way.
Yeah, it's fine. It's fine for me too. I but I, but I, I think it, it kind of reminds me of what you're describing here, Robert Bork Jr. Is it's the the you know the process is the punishment. I mean, whether or not they she actually wins is not really the point, right? It's to put Amazon through this and to make a point about it, and it just seems a very radical agenda yeah. that is that is very much about this FTC. Well, yeah, and, and, and I didn't quite finish that point. And uh, if they lose, then then she goes to Congress and says, hey, "Listen." We have to change the law. And in fact, they've been trying to change the law the last two years. And I trust a lot of the last two years in, in Congress because they had a Democrat uh, Senate and um, uh, they weren't able to they really weren't able to get anything done, even with some Republican help. Uh, they weren't able to change the law. But the reason they want to change the law in, 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 in Congress is the, the consumer welfare standard, which has been the operating system for antitrust enforcement for the last 45 years since my father wrote the book, The Antitrust Paradox. Uh, it was, was a creation of the Supreme Court. They read his book. It was some, somebody quoted him, cited him in, a, in a, an antitrust case in 1979, a year after the book came out, and it, they adopted his thinking about the Consumer Welfare Center, that the, the consumer should be the center of, of antitrust. So they hate that over at the FTC and at the current DOJ antitrust division um, because it doesn't allow them to have the kind of control uh, that they would like. They would like to be able to control business. They would like to be able to fossilize capitalism. They would like to be able to layer on more and more regulations and, 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 uh, and, and stifle uh, business activity, but they can't do it. So, the, so if she loses, as she has been losing, that becomes suddenly the secret argument to go, hey, uh, you know, Senate, House of Representatives, uh, we, we need to change the law, and only you can do that. So I think I think she has a, it's a two tier strategy. Win it, win if you can, stop you know and stop deals if you can, but if you can't, then go to Congress and say, look, we have to change the law. And it's, uh, it's really a bad thing. And and tell us about Jonathan Cantor, who's the head of the Department of Justice Antitrust Division. You you wrote another piece recently about this as well, uh, about what he's yeah. doing, advancing a radical agenda. Yes. Well, uh, Jonathan Cantor has the great uh, the great advantage of letting Lena Khan be you know, front and center and be the pinata for all of all of us uh, commentators out there and all the people who are very concerned about what's going on because she she just seems to draw the fire and he sits quietly in the background bringing cases and right now he's suing Google to break them up. Um, so, uh, but but he himself is is no he's no he's no moderate. He's just a, a better better at keeping his head down and better at, uh, uh, you know, not, not appearing to be a radical, but he's pretty radical. Uh, and, of course, he has this enormous conflict of interest. Uh, for years, he, before, he was not, before he was confirmed to this job as the head of the antitrust division, he was, uh, in private practice, suing Google and suing, uh, you know, uh, the big tech companies for, for smaller competitors uh, and, and others. Uh, and making millions of dollars doing that. And then he comes into office and he sues Google. And so Google's even tried to get him thrown off the case, you know, that he couldn't, he can't actually, he has to disqualify himself. That hasn't been able to, that hasn't happened. But, uh, you know, he, he's, it's clear that he has a conflict of interest. Uh, and so does, you know, on the Amazon case, so does uh, Lena Khan, because that's been, as they say, her, her white whale since she was in the law school. Uh, and, and there's some, you know, feeling that she really shouldn't be 
front and center in this because in the, in the FTC, unlike the Justice Department, in the FTC, she's, she can also be the judge. Uh, you know, when they, they, you know, if they bring a case, uh, uh, they can also then, as, as the commission, uh, you know, vote to bring the case, which they did. And then if the case, if they try the case themselves through the administrative law process, then she can be the judge in the case as well. So she can be prosecutor and judge. Uh, but uh, it's uh, antitrust is a messy business. And a lot of people don't understand how important it is. You know, for the last 45 years, this consumer welfare standard has really been a contributor to the enormous economic growth that this country has had. Uh, it's been a contributor to innovation. You know, all these companies like Google and Amazon and others are all, you know, creations of the last 45 years, really, you know, last 25, 30 years. And, um, and I think the consumer welfare standard, which was my father's great offering in the law, um, what has made it possible for, for this growth, for this innovation, it creates, created millions of jobs. It's created enormous wealth, which goes into pension funds and things like that. So uh, sometimes a head-scratcher why these guys in Washington now want to bring them down. Uh, but again, they don't like any, any, uh, any power centers other than the government. Uh, and if uh, the company's too powerful, uh, they're going to go after it. And that's what I think is happening now. Well said. Well said. Robert Bork Jr. is my guest. He's president of the Antitrust Education Project and president of the Bork Communication Group. Uh, the Antitrust Education Project, which I, I'm on your website and I, and I, and I see why, why you have it. I think for a lot of people, they don't think about what antitrust is. And I don't think they, they think about that this this idea of, of the government going in and busting monopolies. Like we all think about Standard Oil, you know, the, the examples we learned about in college or high school or something like that. But I mean, what is a what really is the, the purpose of the AEP from your perspective? I mean, what, what are you trying to accomplish here in terms of um, well, letting people understand what the, the name. We're are. trying to educate. We're trying to educate people about antitrust law, and uh, unfortunately, you know, we're, we're stuck with the name antitrust. Antitrust refers to the time in U.S. history when businesses, a lot of you know, big corporations, were organized into trusts, into legal trusts. Mm-hmm. So the Standard Oil Trust and other other such things. Um, and so the laws were passed. 1890 is is uh, the Sherman Act. That was the first one. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, so, uh, but really I think people should think about it in terms of competition law now and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the law for many years was applied to protect competitors from each other. And, uh, and that led oftentimes to inefficient uh, competitors being protected from more efficient competitors um, by 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 the uh, by the law by courts, particularly uh, uh, the Supreme Court back in the fifties, uh, sixties, and seventies, and um, so uh, what, what we really have now is uh, with my father's publication of Manager's Paradox in nineteen seventy eight. He he made the point, you know, what really makes sense is not that we should be protected. The law doesn't mean that we should be, competitors should be protected from each other. It means that we should protect competition, and we should but we should protect the consumer. The consumer should be the center of what antitrust law is all about. If the consumer is harmed, go after them, bust them up. If that's what's going on. Break, you know, stop the deal. Uh, and one of the ways you measure that, of course, is price. But you also measure in terms of quality and, and service and other and other uh, measurements like that. 
But if, if it's not being, if, if, if the consumer is not being harmed, then the deal should go forward. And of course, in, in, in the modern world now, in which we live, that often leads to large companies, big box stores, big corporations. You know, the mom and pop grocery store just doesn't cut it anymore because it can't compete. And of course, because it's smaller, it can't get the it can't get the scale, the economic scale. So therefore, uh, it, uh, it you know it offers higher price. And when when you look at this action, big. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, no, you finish. I was just going to ask you when you when you look at this action in particular, is this going to hurt me as a consumer? When when the FTC goes after Amazon, it has the potential to hurt Amazon, but it also has the potential to hurt me as a consumer, right? Yes, I, I think so. Now, I don't think this, you'll see this right away, but if they win, I mean, what they're really about is they're going to end up breaking Prime. So uh, you know, and so therefore, if there's no Prime anymore, no Prime service with one to two day shipping because the FTC thinks that's somehow uh, any competitive, uh, then they'll, they'll force uh, Amazon uh, sellers to use uh, you know slower and less reliable logistical services. Um, the, you know, the, the bundle of shipping and video and music and other things that you get with your Prime membership will be broken up, and you won't be able to get that. Uh, and then, you know, in terms of lower prices, well, all that will cost more and it'll make it, um, Amazon will have to charge, um, customers more because of the added cost being put on, uh, by this, uh, you know, as a result of this lawsuit. So I think you'll see that, uh, actually consumers will not benefit if the FTC wins, um, but the FTC will be, you know, gloating and happy because they've managed to uh, kneecap a major U.S., uh, you know, big tech corporation. Well said. Well, listen, I appreciate you fighting the good fight here. And thank you for making the time to join us today. The website is antitrusteducationproject.org. Robert Bork Jr., we have uh, tremendous respect for you. Of course, uh, your dad is uh, one of our true heroes. Thanks so much for making the time today here in Philadelphia. We appreciate it. I've enjoyed it very much. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5 30 minutes of non stop talk with Rich Zioli. Debate night in America. Are you watching tonight the Republican debate? Uh, welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. It is 5 o'clock-ish, 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you for being here tonight. We appreciate it very, very much. Just watching uh, Fox News, The Five, and uh, the lovely Dana Perino will be co-moderating tonight. I'll be, I'm going to watch, of course, my job. i got to watch this for you. I'll give you all my thoughts tomorrow and... I didn't watch the last one, so I figured I'd watch this one because I was off last time. So now I'm not working, so I might as well watch it. What the hell? Uh, I'll be drinking, of course, as you can imagine. Uh, before we begin, Matt DeSantis, executive producer, today I asked you if you could be kind enough to get some numbers for us together of our podcast success, in my yes. opinion, uh, which is uh, which is terrific. Um, 
and the uh, the podcast success. Could you go over the numbers with us, please? Uh, yeah, we're closing on two million downloads for the year uh, since we moved to afternoon, so that's really good. The most interesting number, however, I think, is our success in Somalia. Somalia. We are big in Somalia, Rich. <laughs> we're we're huge in Somalia. A hundred and seventy downloads. In Somalia. In Somalia. The pirates love us. <laughs> if you're listening in Somalia, would you please call the show and let us know? We are also gaining a foothold in Ethiopia, which I think is massive. We only have one download at the moment, but okay. that's something. I agree. I mean, this is international. The show is officially international now. <laughs> this is huge. Is there a way we can cater to our Ethiopian listener? I do. I think we should. Uh, we should make Ethiopian politics at least a segment on the show. <laughs> it's a four-hour show. So I think Ethiopian politics, Somali politics would all be good to just weave in here and there, you know? I think that's a good idea. Maybe once a week we'll talk about Ethiopian politics and really boost those numbers. Because we have to look for areas to improve upon, and Ethiopia seems like the perfect spot. I agree. I, I completely agree. Uh, let's make this happen. How are we doing in Canada? Do we still have Canada? Uh, let me see. Let me see. Um, Did all my Justin Trudeau, Fidel Castro Jr. jokes make us lose Canada? We have. Uh, we're doing all right in Canada. O only 11,000 downloads. It's probably your show isn't blocked in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, Henry, you make a good point. Perhaps it is. Yeah, it's just mine. Maybe the lesser Fidel blocked it. Is that possible? It's probably. Very possible, yeah. We're not, uh, we're doing all right in Canada. Little Fidel blocked the show. Uh, we have a, a listener in, in Zimbabwe. Oh yeah, we, uh, we have one download. We are <laughs> evidently they listened once and didn't care for it. Yeah, well, you know that happens. Or click. Hey, it thanks for giving it a try, though. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> so we're closing in on two million downloads since we moved to afternoons October third, which is pretty good, uh, I'd say. And uh, yeah, so we're we're, uh, we're 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 doing okay. I'm not complaining. I'm happy with the numbers. I mean, my opinion doesn't really matter very much, but well, no, I, I think you are the executive producer. I think it, I think it matters quite a bit. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that, but I, almost no one else agrees with you. Well, that's true. I mean, no one does agree, but the Somalis do. They love you. <laughs> I know for a fact that Matt DeSantis is a heartthrob with Somali chicks. <laughs> they have my posters uh, uh, on the wall. The they have the, the one poster. of you with the hat on backwards. They love it. <laughs> Those Somali ladies who are looking for a Harvard-educated uh, radio producer. Uh, they, here I am. Here you are. Call. And Henry, I know for a fact, the Ethiopian chick is all about you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the one, this is great. The one download in Ethiopia. <laughs> she listened one time. She heard you cut off the mullet, and she was done. She, she was out. She may have clicked it by accident, too. That's also a possibility. <laughs> That's true. That may have happened. You're right about that. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, obviously. I'm going to send you another clip uh, of the rioting and looting last night in Philadelphia. This this one is, is particularly uh, intriguing to me. It's the one that says everybody's got to eat as they're they're breaking into a fine wine and spirit store. Everybody must eat, this woman exclaims, as lie, as looters breach a business right behind her. You know, I don't judge people that view drinking 
booze is eating. I mean, you know, it's, I can't judge, but you should at least pay for it, is my, my opinion. You know what I mean? If you want to say that, that your meal is bourbon, I'm okay with that, but please pay for it. That's all I ask. I don't think it's too much of a stretch. This is, uh, oh, you have to, you may, you may have to edit that. Yeah. I think you do have to edit that. Yeah, there's probably some some cuss words in there, as they say. <laughs> there's a lot of videos. We could spend all show playing them. There's so many videos that were on social media of people. Uh, free iPhones. The influencer known as Meatball has been arrested. Uh, Meatball. Let me share this story with you. Meatball appears to be arrested while live streaming. So I played you the clip of Meatball, who was the live stream looter. <clears throat> the story of the New York Post is that... Meatball live streamed the rabid looting spree that engulfed Philadelphia's center city overnight. Not just center city, too. Other parts of Port Richmond, up by the Roosevelt Mall. I mean, all kinds of different places. It was everywhere. But Meatball, whose real name is Dijah Blackwell, shared video and photos on her Instagram stories, gleefully documenting the mass plunder of several businesses, including an Apple store, a Foot Locker, a Lululemon, and a liquor store. The content creator with close to, and this is infuriating, 650,000 followers across Instagram and TikTok could be seen laughing, clapping, and shouting, let's go, as she witnessed suspected looters fleeing while she was driven across the city. Blackwell later continued filming the frenzy on foot, capturing her apparent enthusiasm. Tell the police they're either going to lock me up tonight or it's going to get lit. It's going to be a movie, she said at one point in her videos. Joining a crowd of youngsters loitering in the street, a laughing Blackwell exclaimed at one point, this is what happens when we don't get justice in this city. Okay. The influencer's video showed hordes of looters rushing into the Apple store near 15th and Chestnut Streets and emerging with iPhones and tablets in hand. Free iPhones, free iPhones, she cried out before filming people showing off their stolen electronics. Several smartphones and iPads were seen littering the ground and being stepped on by the looters. As the rampage unfolded, Blackwell followed the crowds to the Lululemon store in Rittenhouse Square. Oh my God, oh my God, they entered it. The woman excitedly cried out in the footage, showing the plunderers breaking into the business. Police then pulled up and proceeded to tackle and apprehend several people outside the store. Don't touch them. Record this, she screamed while standing on the opposite side of the street. This is why we're out here, because you cops don't keep your hands to yourself, she said. Let me just break from the article for a moment and say, you know, this is the this is why I tell you it's so hard to be a cop. Because when you roll up on something like that, and this woman's breaking the law, these people are clearly breaking the law, but you know they're recording you, you know they're filming you, and you know that you have a prosecutor in the city, I shouldn't say prosecutor, he's a, he's a defend, he's the defense attorney, it's Larry Krasner, the defense attorney known as the district attorney, who is going to be scrutinizing those videos, more concerned with how you treat the looters than how the looters are treated uh, how the looters treat the city. So that so the so the people in the district attorney Krasner's office are going to be more interested in watching the movement of the cops every hand that every time they touch a person everything scrutinizing that looking for any excuse to go after the cops. Cops know this as they roll up to the scene. They know this. They have a job to do, and that job is to protect life and property. That's their job. That's what they signed up to do. Remember. As I told you at the start of the show today, 
And you know this, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but private property rights are essential to the republic. Without private property rights, we cease to be the United States of America. We become something else. Private property rights are at the heart of it. It's the reason why you have the right to defend your property with a firearm under the Second Amendment. A God-given right encoded in the, of course, the Declaration, I mean the Constitution. But private property rights are essential to the republic they're essential to freedom they're essential to liberty the left hates them they believe that everything should belong to everybody think of the world economic forum and what they said imagine in 10 years nobody owns anything that's what they want that's what they believe that's what marxists believe they believe that because that's what karl marx wrote down for them so that's what he encoded for them what he enshrined in his in his uh, marxist uh, communist manifesto Let me keep going here. So she got back in the car and headed to the next stop on the looting spree, saying in the video, keep it going. Okay, keep it going. The live stream then captured a gaggle of men and women ransacking a liquor store that had been broken into in a shopping plaza. Blackwell herself is briefly seen holding a glass bottle filled with a broken liquid. Other social media users later shared videos showing Blackwell apparently being detained by police officers. User Drizzy Dre underscore posted footage in which a woman believed to be Blackwell is being led away in handcuffs by cops. It was not immediately known whether the influencer was formally arrested or charged with any crime. However, since this article was posted, I can tell you that her mugshot is all over social media now. The Philadelphia Police Department did not immediately respond to the post request for confirmation Wednesday and Meatball did not respond to messages sent through her social media. Police previously said they have made up to 20 arrests in connection. Obviously, those numbers have gone up since the posting of the article. Now, what what if you haven't seen any of these videos, I highly recommend you do. You'll see people wearing skull masks. You'll see people in black hoods. You'll see people wearing um, gloves and all kinds of things. But it's very obvious to me this is not an organized Antifa thing. These are local people who utilized the pretext of racial injustice to go and loot and steal and rob because they know that they're not going to have any consequences for their actions. So knowing the cops are going to be distracted by the demonstrations going on at City Hall, they took advantage of that. And also because they can they can try to somehow say, you had this coming. We deserve this. We get to do this because we don't like the charges were dropped against the Philadelphia police officer. So we get to do this. We're entitled to do this. Remember, entitlement being a mindset, we're entitled to this. This stuff, we're all entitled to it. How dare we not get the Lululemon, the iPads, the liquor, whatever else we want. We want it. We get it. That's it. That's how it goes. This is a little bit of meatball last night outside of the Fine Wine and Good Spirits store. Take a listen. Give a second. Oh, oh sure. Yeah, uh, I thought I had it. All right, it's okay. We want to make sure we don't lose our FCC license. Yeah, I didn't want to pull up the wrong version of it. Meatball. Right, here we go. Here's Meatball. Enjoy. Everybody must eat. Everybody must eat as they ransack a liquor store. 
All right, now let me remind you what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said as she justified looting at another point in time. I don't know, I don't think this was from this recent episode of looting, but this is what AOC said a while ago to justify the looting and the stealing and the theft and the destruction that goes on. Take a listen. And so they go out and they need to feed their child and they don't have money, so you maybe have to they're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night now when 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 you hear meatball yell everybody must eat everybody must eat everybody must eat there's a liquor store okay so you know i made a joke about having a liquid lunch a liquid lunch as it's known in the trades you know where you go out and you just you just drink for lunch it's a it's a term excuse me liquid lunch but in reality, though, that really does kind of show that AOC is full of crap because they're not they're not going in and stealing groceries. They're stealing liquor and iPhones and TVs and they're smashing and they're grabbing and 100 plus strong. They've arrested about half of them now, looting multiple stores throughout Philadelphia, and they may do it again tonight. The cops are now on on guard. You know, they're on bikes. They're on they're in cars. But who knows what else they're going to have to deal with tonight? Because you also have your. Your, your, your typical night of shootings and carjackings and, and thugs on, on, on ATVs and off-road vehicles going through the streets of Philadelphia. So God only knows what the cops are going to have to deal with tonight. But know this, they the district attorney is going to be more interested in how the cops treat people like Meatball than they are about the violence that people like Meatball are going to perpetuate. That's a fact. That's a reality. Here's another video of iPhones and iPads being stolen from the Apple store at 15th and Chestnut, right in the heart of Center City, Philadelphia. I've been to that uh, that Apple store. You've probably been to that Apple store, too. Take a listen. This is crazy. Oh, my God. This is crazy. Ain't nothing. Ain't nothing. Oh, my God. All these iPhones. And they still going on. Oh, my God. They You know, if you're if you're Apple, you got to ask yourself and they can't stop the alarms from going off. Yeah, that's you got to ask yourself, why would why the hell would you want to have that store there? You see, then this is the problem, because it 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 hurts the city in such a way when the city has no respect for private property rights and people start stealing from these stores and the stores say, you know what the hell with it? We're going to leave. I told you yesterday, I'm sure some of the reason why Target is closing stores has a lot to do with their wokeness over the summer. But I also realize the fact that there's crime in these places is not a coincidence. They they make a choice which ones to close. And the ones that they decide to close are the ones in in these cities where you're allowed to steal from them, where you literally can steal. And so... Other retailers are going to be making decisions after nights like this and saying to themselves, what the hell are we doing here? Why are we here? We can go to the Burbs. We can go someplace else, pay cheaper rent. And, you know, we don't have to worry about this crap happening because we'll be in communities where they won't put up with this. And it's not that the cops put up with this. It's that the the hierarchy puts up with it. Krasner, Kenny, etc. They put up with this. And you know the way to deal with this. We know how to deal with this. You prosecute people, but that's the problem. They'll get arrested, but they're not prosecuted. And then, and also, too, the fact that these people are so brazen that they post all this stuff on social media. And, Henry, and I know you have long said social media is the death of society. So when you watch this stuff, I would think it's got to all come home for you. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you got to post everything you do, everything you say, and, you know, looting, rioting, it's, it's no different. And she has 650,000 followers. Yeah. No, people love this stuff. 
I'm starting to think that most of the videos that we've seen on Twitter over the last uh, half a day all originated from her account. It seems like she's in most of them. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. She got 650,000 followers. You had to amass that somehow. So going live for hours upon hours, you probably do have a good amount of footage that is hers. Right? I have not seen Meatball on the Dirty Water. I'm not quite sure what that is. Is that, is that another video? What is that? I don't know. I don't even want to Google it. I mean, either. I'm terrified. Yeah. <laughs> Odyssey will probably have you for that one. It just it sounds wrong. Yeah, it, is, it sounds like nothing good comes from that. Let me make another Batman analogy, shall I? Since I started the show today with a Batman analogy, this time I'll move from from the Dark Knight, the the the, the wonderful trilogy from Christopher Nolan and Ra's al Ghul and the uh, you know the, that whole idea to the Batman, the Robert Pattinson goth Batman, the 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 Riddler in that movie, who's the villain, the Riddler, he live streams all of his murders and his crimes and he's got all these people going on social media telling him what to do i mean i thought that was just in a movie but this is what happens live streaming life, crimes. life imitates art right is it or is it art imitating life whatever it is same difference right something tomato right? tomato here and and you know I, I'm also too as I as I think about this and I've been talking about like constitutional Tony's just about to leave work I've been talking about this all all day today, but when when you think about the brazenness of people arrested Philly looting rampage their faces many people covered their faces a lot of people didn't it's on social media the video evidence is there the mindset is I know. I'm getting a slap on the wrist. That's all it is. I'm getting a slap on the wrist. I'll, and and maybe, maybe I'll have to return the stuff. Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe I'll get to keep it. Who knows? That's, a, that's the, other thing too. the other part about this is, in all of these cities we've been talking about, the part that we have not really stressed is that when you go in, you're stealing up to $1,000. They don't necessarily make you return it. The CNN guy who I played earlier in the show, what what uh, John Miller was saying, and his point was great about this is, in these cities where they don't they don't prosecute you unless you steal more than a thousand dollars. So you know, I guess you got people going in there with calculators, who are calculating the the, the value of everything you're stealing and going, well, we're at nine ninety nine. Let's let's call it a day. It's not like you have to return the stuff or give it back. That's the other problem here, because, again, it goes to the progressive mindset of, well, you know, who the hell are we to tell them they can't have yoga pants from Lululemon? So, yeah, they get to keep it. We don't charge them and they don't even have to return it. That's the other problem. That's the other reason why these stores in these areas are saying, I want to get the hell out of here, because the, the chaos is real and there's no Batman there to fight them. There's no Batman to go in there and do the things that need to be done to stop it. The cops, there's more scrutiny on them than it is, there is on the rioters and the looters, and the cops turn around and go, all right, well, we got to play this by the book. The problem is, though, is that there's nothing that will stop people from going out again tonight. Or tomorrow night. Or as long as they think that they can get away with this, they'll keep doing it. And if they get beat up a little bit by the cops, well, then maybe they can sue the city of Philadelphia. They, they think that too. Don't think they, of course they think that. If they get into an encounter with the cops and <clears throat> cops got them on the ground and punching them or something like that, well, you know what? There's some defense attorney scumbag, some, some injury lawyer somewhere who will take that case and sue the city of Philadelphia. And you know what will happen? City of Philadelphia will settle. They'll write a check. 
Of course they will. They'll write a check. They're not going to fight back. They don't want to. They don't want to fight back. And this is another reason why people do it, too. They know the worst case scenario is they get arrested. They spend the night in jail. They're back on the streets the next day. Maybe best case scenario, they have some goods. Maybe best, best case scenario is they got beat up by a cop. And now they have a cause celeb where they can they can go after the city of Philadelphia. Because, you know, you they you touched me. You're not allowed to touch me. I'm in, I'm entitled to steal and loot. And you can maybe politely ask me to stop. But don't think you can lay a hand on me. It, 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 we're really living in end times here. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's so crazy what's happening in these cities in America right now. But it didn't happen overnight. You know, I spent a lot of time on this in the 3 o'clock hour. I'll, I'll talk more about it before the show ends. But just remember this. None of this stuff happened overnight. It is the pervasive mindset of a culture of lawlessness. And a culture that says private property rights do not exist here. You take what you want. You're entitled to it. And you know what? If sometimes you break some glass and take some stuff, well, you know what? We prefer if you didn't. We prefer if you just stole it the old-fashioned way by just walking out the store. But if you break some stuff, you break some stuff. I haven't heard boo from the mayor today. I haven't heard anything from the district attorney condemning any of this stuff because they won't. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't think this is a problem. You know, in in, in the city of Philadelphia, the, the only problem is that you had cops there who may have uh, potentially laid a hand on somebody. You think I'm you think I'm you think I'm crazy? Every cop in the city tonight who's going to go out and, and go on patrol in Philadelphia and take their life into their own hands tonight knows that. Knows he's going to be more interested in how they handle the looters than what the looters are doing to the city of Philadelphia. It's a damn shame. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Uh, tonight is a Republican debate, as I mentioned. We, uh, I'll talk a little bit about that as well. But I did want to play this for you. This is uh, Chairman James Comer talking about Hunter Biden's corruption and the story that broke yesterday on the show regarding Hunter Biden and how Hunter Biden got all this Chinese money. He was on with Laura Ingram last night asking a very good question about all this. Cut number 10. And if you research it, Joe Biden met with Jonathan Lee. He wrote a letter of recommendation for his child to get into college in the United States. There is a relationship that was developed between Joe Biden and Jonathan Lee when he was vice president. And now we have evidence that Jonathan Lee, who Joe Biden said his son never took any money from, said his son never took any money from China. Joe, uh, Hunter Biden's lawyer said that Hunter never received any money from this guy. We have evidence that he received over a quarter of a million dollars, and the address listed on the wire was Joe Biden's personal residence. Well, Congressman, I was reading something on, um, I think it was on X, on formerly known as Twitter. People were saying, well, but this happened before Joe was president before you became president in January 2020. Why does that matter? It doesn't matter. And it, it happened while Joe Biden was a candidate for president. He was already running for president of the United States. And this wire from China, who's our biggest enemy, that's the one thing in this in this hall where, I, where I'm currently being interviewed, there's massive disagreement on funding levels for the government. I don't think that's any secret. One thing that we all agree on is China's a threat to the United States. And here we have more evidence of the Biden family receiving millions and millions of dollars from our adversarial country for who knows what. The Bidens never have said what they did to receive the money. What did Hunter Biden do to receive a quarter of a million dollars from a Chinese national well. affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party? Mm-hmm. Great questions. By the way, you know, speaking of uh, crime and all the chaos, do you know that um, 
In Chicago, which is another city has been gripped by by crime, Daily Wire had this story. Democrat mayor of Chicago proposes a government-owned grocery store for racial justice. Chicago's Democrat mayor has announced a partnership with a far-left nonprofit to advance his proposal of a government-owned grocery store, which he argues is needed for the sake of racial justice. Mayor Brandon Johnson said in a press release this month that the city-owned grocery store, which would be the largest of its kind in the United States, is needed to address the exit of corporate grocery stores and promote food equity. He said food access and security link directly to environmental and racial justice. 37% of black residents and 29% of Latin X residents are food insecure. He says compared to 19% of residents overall. Now I got to ask this mayor a question. Why do you think you need a government owned grocery store? It, the reason is because because private companies don't want to be in areas where there's violence and theft and everything else. The question I have is, will people be allowed to loot and steal the government grocery store? You're damn right they will. Walmart announced the closure of four store stores in Chicago's south and west neighborhoods back in April and said it was due to a lack of profitability going back 17 years when the company first opened in Chicago. These stores lose tens of millions of dollars a year, and their annual losses nearly doubled in just the last five years. The statement by the city of Chicago did not specifically mention shoplifting, which has jumped in Chicago by 25% over just the last year. However, Walmart CEO Doug McMillan did warn last year that if shoplifting across the country didn't slow down, he'd have to shut down more stores. Like I said, that hurts the city, that hurts the neighborhoods, that hurts the people in those neighborhoods. So when these woke mayors and district attorneys don't crack down on crime, not only are you putting the residents' lives at risk, you're putting their quality of life at risk also. Remember that. That's a key point that people don't talk about nearly enough. Uh, the <clears throat> We'll talk a little bit more about the debate tonight and also the, uh, the proposed government shutdown. Uh, Representative Chip Roy holding back nothing as he points out that the government shutdown is on the Democrats. We'll talk about that as well. And um, AOC, I played you that dumb clip of her. Well, she also talks about the number of immigrants coming into New York City is nothing compared to the number that passed through Ellis Island. I kid you not. She actually said that. So we'll add that as well. We get a lot more to chat about today as the show continues. I got to tell you, though, uh, today I went to Cherry Hill Volvo. You know why? Because I got my new Volvo. So I've loved driving the S60 for the last five months. But since I'm in this incredible lease program called Care by Volvo, I was ready to make a change. And every five months, I have the ability to do that because my one payment includes insurance, prepaid schedule maintenance, tire and wheel care, 15,000 miles annually, excessive wear, and more. Plus, after five months, I have the option to just cancel the lease, keep the lease, or... Um, or, or, or just get rid of it altogether. But I decided this time around, I want to I wanted drive an SUV. So, brought back the S60 and rolled out the lot with a beautiful XC40 in this gorgeous slate gray color. Oh, it's great. It reminds me of like the James Bond Aston Martin color that he had in some of the movies. And it's great. I'm higher up now, so I like that, you know. Uh, It's fast, beautiful, luxurious. Volvos are great cars. They really are. All the safety you can imagine. The latest technology as well. There's even a wireless iPhone charger built into the car, so I put my phone right down. Connect to everything, all the technology. My phone charges. I don't need a cord. Nothing. It's great. 
And you're going to love the treatment at Cherry Hill Volvo as well. Yosef, the general sales manager, Judith Krupnik, the owner, they take great care of you. They really do. They pride themselves on that. And when you finance a vehicle through Cherry Hill Volvo, there's even more incentives for you than you could possibly imagine, including $2,500 in cash bonuses with a lease or purchase of a new XC40 or XC90 from Cherry Hill Volvo with Volvo Financing. I told you, Bridget drives the XC90. Now, that's the big SUV with the third row, which is perfect for the kids. And we take our trips down the Jersey Shore, go to Cape May or up to see her family in upstate New York. That third row comes in incredibly handy. So that really is the family car I recommend. And if you're a Costco member, you save even more. Purchase a certified 2020, 2021, or 2022 XC40, XC60, or XC90 and receive an additional $1,500 off. And they're going to take great care of you and treat you right. They're going to look for all the most competitive ways to get you behind that wheel, that Volvo, but never any pressure, never. I love the fact that I am driving a Volvo from Cherry Hill Volvo. I love that my wife's driving one too. And I love the fact that after five months, because I love trying new things, I can bring that Volvo back and I can drive something new. That's what Care by Volvo is all about. So check it out today. Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill is where relationships matter. They prove that every single day at Cherry Hill Volvo. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. I'm going to do you a favor and save you from the nausea that the three of us just experienced. (laughs) And just tell you, please don't, please, I care about you very much. Don't, don't watch Meatball in the bath. Please don't do it. Why'd you have to send it to me and uh, poor Henry? I've been sending it to everybody. (laughs) But I'm, I'm telling you right now, please don't look at it. All right. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. It's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I I can't not see it now. You know what I mean? My innocence is completely gone. (laughs) I'm destroyed forever by it. I see it every time I close my eyes now. I I, I can't not see it now. Like, I may need therapy for this. You know what I mean? I I may need therapy. (laughs) I thought Henry brought up a good point. Like, why is the water so dirty? It makes no sense. Like I think it does if you think about it. Mm. What are you thinking about? I'm thinking about little meatballs floating in the bathtub. <laughs> By meatball. <laughs> don't watch. Don't, please don't look at it. I'm. I'm serious. I'm. This is. You know. It's, it's the old thing where you like smell this milk. I think it's. 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 You know. No. Pl- don't. Please don't look at this video. I'm. I'm. I'm actually right now. I'm gonna. I may have to block. Uh, Beach chair says on Twitter for sending it to me. I know I asked, but I may have to block Beach chair says forever on Twitter for sending it to me because I'm that nauseated. That's a. Uh, uh, yeah. I feel like that's fair. That's yeah. A fair and I punishment. was literally. I was hungry five seconds ago. And I can't even imagine eating right now. I might never eat again. <laughs> God. That's horrible. Oh, it's horrible. And I know, like, people are listening. They're like, oh, that's funny. Rich is saying don't go, you know, look this image up. I, I, I'm serious. You don't want to look at it. No, people yeah. are, no, people I'm are not, This is go, not this isn't a, a joke. Yeah. Yeah, this is not a bit. Don't look at it. <laughs> Seriously. You're piquing their interest. You're, by saying, like, oh, it's so gross. It's so disgusting. Don't look at it first thought i want to go look at it i know i know i know i know Ugh. but then after you look at it you're gonna wish you didn't see it oh of course that that goes without say but 
you still want to see it. Uh, Sharon wants to know, is that water dirtier than the dunk tank that I was in? That's a great question. <laughs> and uh, the, 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 believe it or not, the dunk tank water was still was still more disgusting than that. Sharon Really? Kay. Yeah. Jeez, I mean, this bath water looks like she pulled it straight out of the schuylkill. Like, I know, but you should see, at least it's not green. It's brown, but it's not green. The I water think I'd rather it be was green than brown. Green. Well... <laughs> Jim wants to know, Jim O'Connell, is that a meatball and sauce or in gravy? It's a good question, Jim. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm really trying to do a solid here and just make people don't watch it. I'm never going to be able to eat meatballs again. <laughs> yeah, good thing it's spaghetti night at my house tonight. <laughs> I'm really praying that... Trump will start calling DeSantis Meatball Ron again just so that we can think of a different meatball. Uh, I hope he does. I need him to. In fact, I need him to do that. You know what? Let me just change the subject to think about a different meatball. Let me play Ron Ron DeSantis. This is what he's hoping to do tonight at the debate, I guess. This is what his goal is at the Republican debate tonight on Fox Business and Fox News at 9 p.m. with Dana Perino. Uh, Cut 11. So Donald Trump standing next to you on that stage. Imagine he was. How would you go go at him in order to kind of, again, shrink that gap from two to one? Well, I think it's interesting, and he's not willing to stand on that stage. Uh, I think he owes it to all the voters to show up, defend his record, articulate what he would do uh, going forward, what he would, might do differently, and he's not willing to do that. Well, and I think the voters have a right to hear from all the candidates. Well, but he's not been willing him, to step up Governor. and do it. Um, well, he should step up to the plate and then we'll do it. I mean, I think we can talk about um, a lot of the things. He's running in 2024 on a lot of the same promises he ran on in 2016 and didn't deliver on. He said he was going to drain the swamp. They didn't drain the swamp at all. He still defends hiring Christopher Ray. He didn't fire Ray. He didn't fire Fauci. He said Mexico was going to pay for the border wall. That didn't happen. They started the wall, but we've got a lot more to be able to do to finish the wall. He said he was going to eliminate the national debt. Uh, they added almost $8 trillion to the debt in four years. And then remember, he promised to appoint a special counsel for Hillary Clinton. Then after the election, two weeks later, he's like, oh, no, forget about it. That's what you say before the election. It's not what you say after. So now he's saying he's going to do one for Biden, but he had promised to do that for uh, in, in 2016. So I think it's about you got to deliver on these things. If we do the same thing and we don't deliver on 100 uh, percent, we're not going to turn the country around. Now's the time to deliver results. You know, we're going to be at Reagan's library. He said it was a time for choosing. It was our rendezvous with Destiny. I think this election is for our generation because we're in danger of leaving to our kids and grandkids in America that's less free uh, and less prosperous than the one we inherited. The question, though, is how do you cut into his lead? And he can't answer that. And that's the problem right now is that, I mean, all that sounds great, but Trump still has a 50 point lead. This is why DeSantis, I think tonight is make or break for him for that from that perspective, because people are turning around and going, "Okay, all that sounds good, but the guy still has a 50 point lead. So how do you cut into that? And that was Laura's question to him, which he doesn't answer. And again, I'm not trying to take shots at the guy. I'm just giving you my political analysis. I don't know how he cuts into that. If he was going to, he would have done it already. 
And I think that that's the problem for him at this point. Uh, <clears throat> this is uh, Representative Chip Roy blaming the imminent government shutdown on Biden and the Democrats. He's absolutely right about this, despite the fact that the media is going to try to spin this and say that it is it is Republicans who just want to take away food from seniors and blah, blah, blah. It's not. It's Biden. It's the Democrats. It's Ukraine. All of it is. Cut seven. My colleagues on the other side of the aisle are talking about unfunded mandates. Let's talk about unfunded mandates. Let's talk about all of the subsidies that are going out for electronic vehicle, electric vehicles to subsidize the elite in this country that make over $200,000 and $250,000 a year. Let's talk about the subsidies, 90% of the corporate subsidies going to billion-dollar corporations. Let's talk about the mandates in the form of vaccine mandates and mask mandates and all of the mandates during COVID that shut down the largest economy that this world has ever known. My colleagues on the other side of the aisle complain about shutdown, yet they are the masters of shutdown. They shut down and brought to a halt the great American economy, resulting in exactly what you're experiencing right now and the American people feeling in terms of inflation, in terms of inability to afford homes, inability to afford gasoline, inability to afford power, Those are the mandates that the American people are concerned about. Those are the unfunded mandates that are killing their way of life right now at home. That's the simple fact. You know, and and to that point, and let me just, you know, what he's saying here about the economy really, I think, needs to be the message from Republicans. I really do. They need to tie in the policies of Democrats, exactly how it's affecting them, exactly how they're dealing with it. Look, Biden's got a problem. Here's James Carville. He was on with Bill Maher. I played you one of the clips today, but here's Bill. I mean, what James Carville is saying, you need to realize this. Joe Biden is a dead man walking. Okay, he's a dead man walking right now. It's a problem for him. My fear is that the Democrats are going to do a switcheroo. I've told you that. That's my big fear. And there's a reason why that fear may be coming to light, because Joe Biden cannot win. He can't win. Trump beats him. Carville acknowledges that. Take a listen. I think we're on the same page with Biden. Did a great service. But. Whereas in 2020, maybe he was the only one who could have beaten Trump. I think now he's the only one who will lose to him. He, he did great, not just because he beat Trump, but, you know, a lot of stuff he did. Afghanistan, Ukraine, he handled right. Everybody else's economy was worse than ours after the pandemic. These are some pretty big things, but he will lose because at some point, perception becomes reality. And look, do I think he can do the job? Absolutely. Government, as you well know better than anybody, is done in small rooms like the Oval Office where people are talking quietly and decisions are made. I think he still can do that fine. He cannot run for president. He'll look bad in the debates. It's just, it's too, it's too much. And he's, he's, I think, going to lose. He will be Ruth Bader Biden. The Ruth Bader Ginsburg of the presidency, it's not a good look. And any 50-ish, not stupid, woke Democrat with a D by their name, people just vote D and R, that person can win. Could win easily. Easily. If if we took any, any, if we had somebody under 60 and ran against Trump, we'd get 55%. Right. I mean, it'd be numbers... But, by the way, if you look at the 
you know, I, I, I don't like when people take one poll and extrapolate too much of them, but I've seen the last eight polls are all the same. 73 to 77% of the country does not want Biden to run again. I'm going to just round that to 75. Okay. <laughs> That's a big number, man. That's a big number. You know, <clears throat> I... I don't agree with what Bill Maher said about Biden doing the job. I just got to tell you that part right now. I think he's nuts. I think he's crazy. I think he's smoking too much pot if he thinks Biden can do the job. But people in the room can do the job. Not Biden, but people in the room can. But he's not wrong when he says Biden can't win. Biden can't run for president. He, they, I mean, he's wearing sneakers. They're afraid the guy is going to fall down. He's working with physical trainers so he doesn't fall down. That's their big fear right now. The guy falls upstairs and downstairs and upstairs. He falls up. Nobody falls up. Gravity is supposed to take you down. Biden falls up multiple times going up the stairs of Air Force One. He cannot run for president. By the way, I just got this from a friend of mine within the Philadelphia Police Department who showered may nameless but one of his guys went to get a warrant signed today and the bail commissioner was uh, was complaining that the city's broken because the district attorney's office and this is unbelievable they are petitioning for everyone who got locked up last night to be released on their reconnaissance I told you, I told you, this, they, they, they go into this knowing that nothing is going to happen to them. There is absolutely no disincentive to go and riot and go and loot. And they're going to be back at it again tonight in Philadelphia. They know nothing happens. There's no downside to them doing it. Hell, there's only upside. They might get some stolen goods. They might get to be, to be able to sue the cops if a cop lays a finger on them. And they're going to become social media influencers. Meatball will get more followers. Where's the downside? And then you get locked up, and you're not even locked up because you get released on your own recognizance, and that's what the district attorney's office wants for you because the DA's office believes you are a victim of oppression. You are a victim of systemic racism, a victim of capitalism, blah, 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 and you're only expressing yourself because society has pushed you down for the patriarchy and the hierarchy and the capitalist blah, blah, blah nonsense. That's what these guys believe. I've spent a lot of time on this today on the show, and what I just got from my buddy in the force proves it to you exactly what I mean. These people rioted and looted last night, destroyed property, fought the cops, endangered people's lives, destroyed, destroyed property, and they're going to be released on their own recognizance. What recognizance? Why would they ever come back? Why would they come back? They're not going to. And there's no consequence if they don't come back to court. If they don't come, if they missed a court date, big deal. It's going to be like what happens to the illegal immigrants in this country who don't make their court date. Nothing's going to happen to them either. This is, this is exactly the problem. And it's because we have a district attorney who believes that these individuals are the oppressed. They're the oppressed victims. And the cops are the ones who have to watch their back. You better not lay a finger on these people. You better you better make sure you're you're watching where well, you're watching yourselves because it's all on camera. And he won't hesitate a second to come after a Philadelphia cop tonight. Not a second. But but the but the looters, the people that destroy property, the people that, that destroy this city and put people's lives at risk, and take the cops who could be out there, you know, going after murderers, and now they got to deal with this crap. They they get released. ROR. Release on your recognizance. Go ahead. Go go away. Go away. And don't worry about coming back. It's not not a problem. 
Krasner doesn't intend to prosecute any of these people. I told you that at the start of the show today. I told you that. He will not prosecute these people. Just like all these other George Soros-funded district attorneys across the country who allow people to steal up to $1,000, in some cases more, with zero repercussions. They don't even have to give the money back or give the stuff back. Nothing will happen to them. Nothing. Because Krasner wants them to do it. He wants them to be out there burning down the city. Kenny wants them to be out there burning down the city. You can only rebuild if you burn down. You can only rebuild in their Marxist utopian vision if you burn it all down. And cops, they're the front lines. They defend private property rights. It's part of their job. They defend life and property. They keep the social order. And private property rights have to go. You can't have private property rights in a Marxist utopia. So you want an iPad, you take an iPad. You want Lululemon yoga pants, you take it. You want a TV, you take that too. Whatever you want, you take it. You're entitled to it. Who the hell am I to tell you you can't have those things? Oh, it's infuriating. It's infuriating. I would not want to be a cop in this city. I would not want to be a cop in this city. I wish them all the best. I really do. I pray for them. But I, I, I am really worried about them. I really am. Not, not, not that these idiots tonight are going to hurt them. I'm worried about what's going to happen, if, although I do worry about that because a lot of these people are very, very violent, obviously. But they, cops can handle themselves in that respect. But what I worry about is what if they do try to handle them, themselves and protect themselves, they're going to wind up being the ones in court, not be scumbags. The cops will be the ones in court for doing their job and for, and for trying to just go home safe to their families at the end of their shift. Ah, this 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 city is gone. The mayor, the district attorney, Kenny will not be happy until the city is burnt to the freaking ground. That's why he's pushing now for the safe injection sites, going to veto that bill banning safe injection sites. And the woke media in this city is going to go along with all this tonight. And you watch how quickly they will spin it that these rioters, these looters are oppressed victims of a racist, systemic blah, blah, blah nonsense. You watch, you'll see. I'm not wrong on this. All right. <clears throat> I got a lot more to talk about. We have another hour to go, and I'm already fired up. So I'm going to go back and look at Meatball in the bathtub again and throw <laughs> up and get, try to get back on the air. <laughs> if I ever eat too much and I think I need to throw up, I'm just going to have a video on my phone. In fact, what I'm going to do to my friends is that when we're all drinking together, I'm going to be like, hey, watch this real quick, and then watch them throw up. <laughs> Disgusting. All right, listen. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what to say. I really don't. I don't even know what to say. All right, listen. The, um, the Grand Hotel of Cape May, we're going to be back there on Friday, October 13th for our next live show. It's going to be a blast. And DeSantis is coming. Henry's coming. We're going to have a great time. I want to see you there. All right? It's our next live show. And last one for a while. So you better come out for that. And now is the time to make your stay at the Grand Hotel. My happy place for a reason. Beautiful indoor heated pool. Wonderful restaurant in Hemingway's. Great food. Great dinner. I can't even think about food right now. But great food. 
cocktails, handcrafted cocktails, and most importantly, great people. Cape May is a wonderful place. And October, the weather is beautiful. The crowds are gone. You get restaurant reservations. The Washington Promenade, the outdoor mall is a great place to go. And you're going to love the Grand Hotel. Beautiful rooms, suites, and townhomes. And when you use my name, Zioli, when you book, you're going to save 15% off your mid week stays but always book direct with the grand for the best rates just go to grandhotelcapemay.com grandhotelcapemay.com do that and you will love it there and use my name zioli to get the 15 percent off you're going to enjoy yourself midweek stays it's a great time to go and join us on october 13th for our live show as chaotic as these shows get sometimes in live in person they really go off the rails so you want to make sure you're there for that just go to grandhotelcapemay.com use my name zioli always book direct with them for the best rates grandhotelcapemay.com rich zioli weekday afternoons three to seven talk radio 1210 wpht and on the free odyssey app WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli What do we do about Philadelphia's violent crime problem? We all know the problem. What are the answers? What are the solutions? It begins and ends with prosecution. No question about it. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. Our fourth and final hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT on Twitter at Rich Zioli. I had a a conversation today with somebody who said, all right, well, we all know the problem in Philadelphia. What do you do about it? And I think it's very obvious what you do about it. You have to prosecute people. I mean, there was a story in the Philadelphia Inquirer back from 2021, and it said Philly gun arrests are on a record pace, but convictions drop under District Attorney Larry Krasner. Police are on, pay, on pace to make 3,000 arrests this year for carrying a gun illegally, a record. But the people charged are less likely to be convicted. Why is that? It's a Reason.com article from... This is from uh, 2022. Philadelphia's district attorney sees little value and much injustice in gun possession arrests. So even though people are arrested with guns, he feels that it's racist to actually charge them. Now, the former police commissioner, Daniel Outlaw, this is what she said in response to Krasner. She didn't really name Krasner by name, but she said, Philadelphia's criminal justice system has become a revolving door for repeat gun offenders, leaving more of them on the street with their weapons with little reason to fear the consequences of being caught. Although she declined to single out District Attorney Larry Krasner, her top partner in Philadelphia law enforcement, Outlaw echoed a point that the Inquirer analysis revealed. The conviction rates for being caught with an illegal gun dropped after Krasner was sworn into office in January of 2018. There's an absolute correlation here. And it's deliberate. It's a deliberate correlation. Said if there's nothing to deter folks, if there's no consequence where people believe, if I do this, this is going to happen, then there's no incentive to not carry a gun illegally, quite frankly, the commissioner said. Now, now, that extends to beyond just carrying guns illegally. That also extends to retail theft as well. If, if, you, if you have a situation where people know they can go in and steal 
and nothing's going to happen to them. They can't. They won't even get confronted by the employees that work there. What incentive is there for them to stop stealing? There is no incentive. If if cops can't enforce quality of life crimes, I mean, yesterday on the show we we're talking about tent cities, right? Tent cities in all these cities across America, and people that are camping out in the middle of streets, and then you got people relieving their bodies on the streets and you've got people dealing drugs on the streets and you, you've got a culture of lawlessness that that culture permeates everything you know the reason why you you try to fix broken windows in neighborhoods is because the broken window theory of of crime says that in areas where you have broken windows crime rates are higher in areas where you have quality of life crime violations Violent crime is also higher. What happened last night in Philadelphia, you had people taking advantage of the fact that there was a call for racial injustice. You had you had the district attorney and the mayor of Philadelphia, Jim Kenney, coming out and saying, this is not justice. We need justice. We need. So they throw a match on the fire. They throw gasoline on the fire and then boom, it, it blows up. And there are people that take advantage of that because they're not afraid that they think they 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 most likely know they're probably going to wind up getting arrested. Although a lot of them won't. There's so many that wind up looting the, 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 the odds of them getting arrested are not as are not as great. But even if they are arrested and then they're back on the street tomorrow, what what does that say? Why would they stop doing it? Why would they why would they stop ransacking these stores if they know that they're just going to wind up back on the streets? So what happens is you've got people who are live streaming the looting that's going on. You know, like the one we played the clip earlier, but she's in the car. She sees police lights. Her friend says, get offline. Police say, get out of the car. She's live streaming her looting. The police commissioner last night comes out and says, it's disgusting. You know, we made arrests and we're going to continue to make arrests. We're going to press on and continue until we leave all these folks in custody. But the problem is, for a lot of these people, they're going to be out again on the streets. And you have Democrat politicians like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who justify this stuff. They, they, they justify crime. There are so many social, prob- social programs available for, to people. If you, if you really can't feed your children, if you really can't buy bread, there are so many safety nets and social programs available to you. That's not what the problem is. But the problem is you have Democrat politicians like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez excusing this stuff under the guise of it's poor people seeking their justice, seeking it so that they can eat. And, 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 and you, you listen to that and you have, you have to say to yourself, how can you possibly, possibly think this is okay for elected representatives to go out there and excuse violence? You know why? They don't live in these neighborhoods. They don't have to deal with this. They don't have to deal with this on a day-by-day basis. You hear, you hear Democrat politicians screaming about defund the police, although they don't do it anymore. And then you go and ask the residents in places like West Philadelphia, what, what do you want? They go, we want more cops. We want more cops on the streets. Ask the cops what they need, and the cops will tell you, we need, we need the ability to actually put these people away. This is what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said. And so they go out, and they need to feed their child, and they don't have money, so you maybe have to they're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night they need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night that is that is such a lie that's a blatant lie that is just to excuse lawlessness 
And at the heart of that is what Larry Krasner believes, what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez believes. They believe that that criminals are, are, are not really criminals. They're victims of a system, a racist, unjust, capitalistic system. That's what they believe. And so when you when you look at the district attorney, for example, why he's why he doesn't prosecute people with illegal guns, he believes because it's racist. He does. He believes it's racist. He actually says data cited in in the report from his office show how implausible it is to think that seizing guns or restricting sales will have a meaningful effect on their availability availability criminals. The number of guns legally sold in Pennsylvania rose from 400,000 in 2000 to more than 1 million in 2020. And those numbers do not include firearms obtained in the black market. The total between 1999 and 2020 was almost 13 million, an average of more than 1,600 each day. The daily average was 227 for Philadelphia and and the four nearby counties. Meanwhile, Pennsylvania law enforcement agencies seized an average of 22 guns a day. Philadelphia police accounted for 55% of that total, 12 guns a day. Krasner spells out the implications in his report by saying each day in Philadelphia over the last 20 years, for every three guns legally bought or sold, roughly one gun crime was seized. Compounding the problem in Philadelphia, only one in four recovered crime guns were purchased in Philadelphia, and only half of crime guns seized by law enforcement statewide were purchased in Pennsylvania. The rest were purchased out of state or have no known origin. So what, 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 you're just going to give up arresting people who have illegal guns? You're just going to give that up? You're going to say, well, you know what, it doesn't matter. We We keep arresting people and there's still guns coming in, so what the hell's the point? What's the point is basically what they're saying. He says a law enforcement strategy prioritizing seizing guns locally does little to reduce the supply of guns. And if it entails increasing numbers of cars and pedestrian stops has the potential to be counterproductive by alienating the very communities that is designed to help. And he says people of color are disproportionately stopped in Philadelphia and arrested for illegal gun possession in Philadelphia and statewide. African-Americans, who represent 44% of Philadelphia's population, account for about 80% of people arrested for illegal gun possession in the city. So, so you understand that because he's, he views this racial correlation here. He then turns around and says, well, we're not going to prosecute people. It's racist to prosecute. But if they have illegal guns and they happen to be black, I I don't understand. You what do you you turn around and you go okay? Well, this is it's racist to then send you away for this crime. What do you say to the black families, the black victims, and the black cops of this city? What do you say to them? I mean, it's 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 so insane this mindset of people like this who believe that the laws themselves are unjust and racist, and so they're not going to enforce them because the enforcement of those laws is unjust and racist. You have a disproportionate number of, 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 of black people in Philadelphia getting arrested for illegal guns. Well, well, I, 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 is that really just because you're stopping more black people, or is that because they're more likely in certain neighborhoods to have the illegal guns? And perhaps if you were in, in, in neighborhoods where they were predominantly white, perhaps in those neighborhoods, the people there would, predominantly white people would have more legal guns. But, you know, that's what a rational person thinks about. They look at, they look at the population demographics and they, they don't simply just excuse that and say, well, it's racist to then arrest people. It'd be like, it'd be like going to um, a, a white town in West Virginia or someplace like that and saying, well, everybody we arrest for, for um, meth 
is white. Therefore, it's racist, and we're going to stop arresting people for meth. Because it's, it's disproportionately... Well, is it, or is it just that the residents there are mostly white? So the criminals you're arresting happen to be mostly white in these neighborhoods. I mean, this is not a racial justice question. This is a question of who's committing crimes in a certain neighborhood, in certain areas. I mean, you can you can you can you can make that argument if you want to if you want to go down a road of of proving a point that society is inherently racist and unjust. But while you're doing that, and when, and you're saying those things, which sound great, I guess, in a classroom and a faculty lounge, there are actual people who are scared to death in their own neighborhoods because of the fact that criminals know that there's no repercussions for getting caught because you have district attorneys and politicians who argue that arresting them, stopping them, even stopping them is racist. So how, how are you supposed to actually stop the problem if that is the case? We all, we all know what the problem is. The problem is that the cops have their hands tied behind their backs. People arrested solely for gun possession have not been rearrested for new gun crimes, Larry Krasner says. He is more concerned with swiftly and fairly convicting the people who actually use those guns to kill or wound others. But that's, again, that's, that's idiotic. Do you want to take illegal guns out of the hands of criminals, or do you want to wait until they commit a crime with it and then take the guns out of their hands? But he, he says, yeah, but if, but if, we, if we tell you to go in and, and stop people for illegal guns, you're going to have more interactions with law enforcement. And that's racist. But if they have illegal guns and then you stop them from committing a crime and killing somebody or using that gun in the commission of a crime, isn't that a benefit to society? Doesn't society benefit from that? And then doesn't that become a deterrent for people to say, I'm not going to carry illegal guns? I'm I'm not not going to possess an illegal firearm. There's a deterrent factor that is missing in all of this. There's also a huge deterrent factor that's missing when you think about retail theft. If you keep turning around and you keep excusing shoplifting, not only will stores like Target and other places close their doors and leave areas because they can't keep their employees safe, their customers safe, and they're losing too much inventory, which then makes the neighborhood suffer even more, but what what stops somebody from coming to the neighborhood to steal? Nothing. Nothing. Gun possession arrests soar while conviction rates fall in Philadelphia, falling from their high point of 70% conviction rate to 49% conviction rate. What accounts for the drop in convictions? District Attorney Larry Krasner says factors such as witnesses missing court or police submitting weaker evidence plays a role. However, the police commissioner says Philadelphia's criminal justice system has become a revolving door for repeat gun offenders who have little reason to fear the consequences of being caught. Exactly right. If you don't have fear of consequences, people are going to commit the actions over and over and over again. Jim Kenney, the mayor of Philadelphia, last night, when, this ju- when the judge dismissed the charges against Officer Mark Dial, he came out on Twitter, on social media, and threw gasoline on the fire, as did Krasner. And they know, they, it, it, it's, it's as if they want this powder keg. It's as if they want this to explode. Kenney's going to veto a bill to ban safe injection sites in Philadelphia. City council says, we don't want these things, because they listen to the neighborhood, they listen to the residents. We don't want safe injection sites here. We don't want people coming here to do heroin because we know that they're gonna that's gonna lead if you have a demand for something, that's gonna lead to a supply. 
they're not going to give you the heroin at the safe injection, safe injection site. So that means that if somebody's coming there to do drugs and I'm a drug dealer, I know I've got a willing marketplace here. I've got a viable marketplace. I'm going to go there and I'm going to deal drugs. Obviously. And so the residents turn around and say, we don't want safe injection sites. The mayor is going to veto the bill. He doesn't care. He's hell-bent on destroying the city of Philadelphia. He's hell-bent on it. Of the 1,400 people accused of illegally carrying a firearm in 2018, for instance, 19% have been arrested since for another crime. And, and only 2.5% were later charged in a murder, attempted murder, or aggravated assault. Well, how many of them got away? That conclusion tells only part of the story, the inquirer says, because four out of five shootings in Philadelphia do not result in charges. It's impossible to know with certainty who committed the crimes, their backgrounds, and whether they had a previous nonviolent gun offense. This makes it difficult to determine how much violence could have been prevented by more successful prosecutions of nonviolent gun possession. Exactly right. Krasner's office, though, they see little evidence that those accused of carrying guns illegally are responsible for driving the violence. This guy's excusing this. He's excusing this because to, to, to address it head on would be racist. So what do you tell the people who are black in those neighborhoods? Sorry, we don't care. We don't care about you. We don't care that maybe we could have got that thug off the streets before he, uh, he killed a, a family member of yours in a, in a crossfire. Or before he dealt drugs to your kids, dealt fentanyl to your kids or something like that. We don't, because we can't go, we, we won't get him for just having an illegal gun. Just, just an illegal gun itself is not, is not enough. At the same time, though, they'll all scream about gun control. They'll all scream about gun control and they'll go after the NRA and they'll go after all these other, because they believe, again, the people with illegal guns are victims of the gun control, the gun lobby, I should say, the, the pro-gun lobby, the Second Amendment, and on and on. They hate the Second Amendment. They hate the Constitution. They hate the right to bear arms. So you have no incentive whatsoever a criminal has no incentive to say, you know what, I- I'm going to get arrested here. I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to engage in this behavior. And then last night in Philadelphia, when you've got the looting and the violence, and who knows what tonight's going to bring, when that happens and, and, and people keep piling on, they go, all right, so maybe I'll get arrested. Big deal. I'll be back on the streets. I'll be back. So there's no disincentive to continue that behavior. None whatsoever. We all know what the problem is. We all know the solution. You got to get rid of this mindset that the criminals are the victims. And I know a number of people have said on Twitter and social media, they've said, you know what, Richie, get what you vote for. People get what they vote for. I understand that, but but that not everybody votes that way. And Republicans need to address all these things. Republicans need to speak out. They need to get behind more cops on the streets and they need to stand with law enforcement because the cops, the morale is low and they feel very much like their hands are tied and they can't do anything. And it's a heartbreaking situation. And I feel bad for the people in the neighborhoods who are directly impacted by all of this. 855-839-1210 if you want to weigh in on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. The Republican debate tonight, are you going to watch? Are you planning to watch? Let me know. And... Um, Also, too, will Ron DeSantis have his breakout moment tonight? Don't go away. The Z. 
Violi Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Yes, and feelings. The left, the Western far left is habitually the most stupid and naive people you can imagine. It's all about feelings. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. Our fourth and final hour on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Great to be with you. Uh, Republican senators call for stronger border security. Representative Byron Donalds makes a great point about the border uh, and Ukraine. And he says, you know what? This, this funding bill for the House is dead on arrival. The Senate's proposal for a continuing resolution Resolution was dead on arrival with House Republicans because of its funding for Ukraine and the lack of funding for border security. I said it yesterday. I was very fired up. I said, you need to have a vote on funding for Ukraine as a separate vote. Do not attach it to keeping the government open. That's not what we do. We don't do that. That's not how we should do things. But I want to play this clip from James Carville. You know, James Carville, He's a smart guy, and uh, he he's gotten Democrats elected. Like, like the idea that I mentioned, you know, Republicans can maybe pull a Bill Clinton from '92 and call for ten thousand more cops on the streets. I mean, that was a Carville idea that people were fed up with crime in cities, and Bill Clinton was going to be a tough on crime Democrat. There are no tough on crime Democrats anymore because the Western far left is habitually the most stupid and naive people you can imagine. This is the same with yeah, Bill Maher. It's, 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 it's a lot what we were just saying before about people have to be able to talk to each other even if you don't completely agree. The other person is not a deplorable. I get it. Like, I would See, never... I would some never, of them are. Of course deplorable. they are. Some of them are. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, okay, but yeah, that's true. And some people on the left are deplorable. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I find the left to be just annoying. Exactly. They're, just, they're, they're more than just not important. It's just annoying. Exactly. And the Western far left is habitually the most stupid, naive people you can imagine. And they come up with these really goofy constructs, and it's all about feeling... Feeling. Feeling good about yourself. Yeah, well, and just feeling. They, as opposed to like free speech. Like if your feelings are hurt, that's more important than free speech. You know, I told You know, and, and, and there's something to that too. You know, the the idea of these constructs. I think that everything we talked about with Larry Krasner, AOC, the idea of these constructs, this stuff all works great in criminal justice class. You know, why why stop and arrest people who have illegal guns? They're disproportionately black and uh, they haven't really done anything other than they have an illegal gun. Guns are the problem, not the, not their possession of it. That's a stupid construct. You know, rather than arresting somebody who's doing something illegal, which is having an illegal gun in their possession, we say, well, that crime, you know, they haven't really done anything that bad, so let them go. And then when they do something bad down the road, we all said, well, there was an opportunity to stop that by taking them off the streets. And people said, yeah, but that was racist to, to stop them in the first place. You know, I mean, th- th- that's a ridiculous, stupid construct. It's not real. It's like saying Latinx. And these things don't, don't mean anything to people. You want to know why Democrats are losing so badly? You want to know why Democrats are losing so badly? They are losing so badly because people have figured out that the Democrat Party has become... 
the party of the extreme progressive left. And it is no longer a party that deals in reason. It's no longer a party that deals in rational, everyday people's lives. They talk about the faculty lounge, the coastal elites. These are people who don't have to worry about walking down the streets in West Philadelphia. They don't have to worry about seeing a safe injection site in their neighborhood. So when they sit back in their faculty lounges and in their woke brunches and they talk about how, uh, you know, why the merits of a safe injection site sound great on paper, they don't actually have to live with it. They don't have to actually live with it. You don't have safe injection sites in the faculty lounge, and you don't have them in places like Hyannisport and Martha's Vineyard and the Hamptons and all the other places that these woke people hang out in. There's not going to be a safe injection site on the main line, okay? There's not going to be a safe injection site on the main line. That much I can promise you. I can guarantee you that. So yeah, these, the, the, the constructs, the arrogance of the Democrat Party, the fact that they've lost the, the connection with the working man, just walking on, a, on, on, an, uh, on an assembly line, or as you say, a strike line with, with workers, but at the same time, you're pushing electric vehicles that are going to literally kill their jobs. Because again, the constructs of electri- electric vehicles and, and the, the notion in the faculty lounge of climate change being the greatest existential threat means nothing to people if they can't feed their family. So you can go out there with your bullhorn and you could talk to them about it, but you're not resonating with them. Because in their mind, they just think, you're just trying to take my job. I, I hope I hope Trump hammers that point tonight about EVs and what it's doing to people who work in the auto industry. I hope so. This is uh, Congressman Byron Donalds today. The uh, Senate's proposal for a CR, dead and arrival. Good. Dead and arrival. And I'm glad it's dead and arrival. $6.2 billion for Ukraine. Um, they do nothing to secure our southern border. Uh, that is just a non-starter. The Senate needs to get real. What, what You've all seen the images at the southern border. It has to stop immediately. And this government should not continue to be funding funded if we don't secure our border. Walk us through the idea that there's 77 Democrats and Republicans. That's a big... Yeah, it, it needs to stop immediately. He's exactly right about that fact. It needs to stop immediately. Why Why won't it stop, though? You know why? Because you have a lot of Republicans who were all in on Ukraine, too, but they want the cover. They know it's not popular with, with the Republican Party voters anymore. They know that, but they want the cover of saying, well, listen, I, you know, I just voted for the continuing resolution. I just had to keep the government open. That's what I wanted to do. So, you know, that's just what this just, just, you know, I mean, I, and then they want to, they want to, they want to spin that. This is why I say don't don't give them the ability to spin this. Don't don't give them the ability to do that. Make them own it on a yes or no up or down vote on funding Ukraine separate from a CR period. And and then to have another disastrous spending bill to just kick the can down the road again is also not an answer. It's not an answer. But at least it's better than funding Ukraine as part of a CR. At least it's better than that. I, 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 John Fetterman's a disgrace. Isn't he? Did you hear what he said to Joy Reid last night as he makes cracks about, uh, about people like Ted Cruz? This is, this is what he said last night on the racist I mean, they, Joy Reid. You've rundown. been the subject of a lot of right-wing freakouts. Uh, your casual dress code, which again, there are people like Senator Sinema who dresses you know, very, you know, in her very own unique way and no one's really said anything about it. Why do you think people are so fixated on you? 
I, I really, <laughs> I really don't. As, as I've said before, you know, Ted Cruz could show up dressed like Spider-Man, and I would be a okay with that. Uh, I do think we have more important kinds of things to be worrying about. You know, whether it's gold bars in a mattress, or whether it's the, the shutdown, or the impeachment, or anything. Don't be surprised if Spider-Man calls you quite offended at being compared to Ted Cruz, but I'm going to leave that for another interview. Um, <laughs> let's, funny. Let, let's... Uh, Spider-Man's not real, Joy Reid, by the way, and uh, neither is your show. It's a fugazi. Uh, do you notice how the Democrats piling on Menendez, too? He was in court today. You know the reason why, right? You know the reason why they all want him gone? Well, there's two things. Number one, look, Bob, I've always said to you a couple things to be true at the same time. Bob Menendez is as crooked as the day is long Absolutely. Would they be going after Bob Menendez right now if he was a good boy and went along with the Iran nuclear deal and and supported the six billion dollar ransom payment to Iran? No, they would not because they're all corrupt. It's just a matter of who they choose to go after. And also, the reason why Democrats are all piling on Menendez now and want him gone is for two reasons. Number one, the reason is they want to be able to say, you see, you see, justice is blind. The Department of Justice is also going after Bob Menendez. This is not a situation where we're just going after Donald Trump, you see. But they're also locally at home. It's also because of the fact that uh, King Philip the Unaccountable's wife is now talking about running. So is Donald Norcross. You've got a lot of powerful people out there who, who want that seat. They want that seat. And the the ongoing investigation into Menendez in Egypt, and this and this is it's it, it it's so outrageous what he's accused of. You almost have to turn around and go, is this really real? But they had this stuff on him for years, and the investigation's still going. Why now? Why do they come after Menendez now? They come after Menendez now so they can turn around and say, Well, 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 Trump, I mean, uh, clearly this is not a weaponized Department of Justice. We go after everybody. We go after everybody, please. Everybody. And it's like, stop. You know what I mean? Stop it. We know that you don't go after everybody. We know that. We, we know exactly what this is. We know exactly what this is. By the way, Matt Gates has introduced an amendment to the DOD appropriations bill that would ensure that no more American taxpayer dollars are sent to Ukraine. And for that, he's getting the ire of a lot of so-called conservatives out there. When all he's doing is what is exactly right, what needs to be done, which is to say, we are not going to tie these two things together. Coming up, the Republican debate tonight. What can you expect? Do you care? (laughs) Will you be watching? And I'll tell you why it matters a whole lot more than you think. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. On this hump day, the debate night in America tonight. Are you watching? Do you care? Are you going to watch? I'll tell you why it matters more than you think. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. But before I do, the story today of how a Santo Fauci, Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor, you always have to say that by law, Fauci secretly went to CIA headquarters to influence the COVID-19 origins probe. Wow. This is from the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Origins. Dr. Anthony Fauci was secretly escorted to CIA headquarters where he attempted to influence the outcome of the agency's investigations into the origins of COVID-19 during the pandemic. Representative Brad Wenstrup of Ohio, the head of the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic, revealed what he called concerning information obtained by his panel in a letter sent to the Inspector General of the Department of Health and Human Services. 
He argues that it lends credence to heightened concerns about the promotion of a false COVID-19 origins narrative by multiple federal government agencies. Let me share with you the letter that was sent from the committee. Dear Inspector General Grimm, he's the Inspector General of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic has received concerning information regarding the Central Intelligence Agency's investigations into the origins of COVID-19. According to information gathered by the select subcommittee, Dr. Anthony Fauci, then director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, played a role in the Central Intelligence Agency's review of the origins of COVID-19. The information provided suggests that Dr. Fauci was escorted into CIA headquarters without a record of entry and participated in the analysis to influence the agency's review. Our goal is to ensure the scientific investigative process regarding the origins of COVID-19 was fair, impartial, and free of alternative influence. Obviously, you know, the two competing thoughts are, did COVID come from a lab? Yes. Or did it come from an undercooked bat burger with a pangolin aioli and a side of raccoon dog fries? Who knows, right? I mean, a select subcommittee's goal is to ensure accountability and transparency. The American people deserve the truth to know the origins of the virus and whether there was a concerted effort by public health authorities to suppress the lab leak theory for political or national security purposes. Accordingly, the information regarding specific movements of Dr. Fauci throughout the pandemic is reasonable and hardly intrusive, especially concerning considering he is no longer employed by the federal government. He is no longer a protectee of the Inspector General, and we are not requesting any information regarding his current movements. To assist the select subcommittee with its investigation, we request the following documents and information as soon as possible, but no later than October 10th, 2023. Number one, documents sufficient to show any Department of Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General authorized, supported, or otherwise affiliated movements of Dr. Fauci from January 1st, 2020 through December 31st, 2022 into any CIA-owned, operated, or occupied building, including but not limited to the George Bush Center of Intelligence. Two, all documents and communications between or among employees or contractors of the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General regarding the admittance or entry of Dr. Anthony Fauci into any CIA-owned, operated, or occupied building, including but not limited to the CIA. All documents and communications between or among employees or contractors of the Department of Health and Human Services Office of the Inspector General and employees or contractors of the CIA regarding the admittance or entry of Dr. Fauci into any CIA-owned building, blah, 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 blah. All documents and communications between employees... Uh, from contractors of the U.S. Marshals Service regarding the admittance or entry of Dr. Fauci into any CIA-owned, operated, or occupied building, including but not limited to the George Bush Center of Intelligence. And finally, all documents and communications between or among employees or contractors of the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General and employees or contractors of the Department of Health and Human Services, including but not limited to the National Institutes of Health and National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, regarding the admittance or entry of Dr. Anthony Fauci into any CIA-owned, operated, or occupied building. In addition to these documents, we request you make Special Agent Brett Rowland 
available for a voluntary, voluntarily transcribed interview at a date to be determined. Accordingly, the committees will contact you to schedule the interview. The committees reserve the right to conduct follow-up interviews or request testimony from other witnesses pertinent to our investigation. The Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic is authorized to investigate the origins of the coronavirus pandemic, including but not limited to the federal government's funding of -of gain-of-function research and executive branch policies, deliberations, decisions, activities, and internal and external communications related to the coronavirus pandemic under House Resolution 5. What's very interesting about this, I think, is the idea that Fauci was escorted in secretly to CIA headquarters. And we know the reason why. It was to cover for China and also to cover for the gain-of-function gravy trade. The new allegations come after a senior-level CIA officer turned whistleblower alleged to Congress earlier this month that the agency offered to pay off six analysts in order to bury their findings that COVID-19 most likely leaked from a lab in Wuhan, China. The the analysts who found SARS-CoV-2 likely originated in a Wuhan lab were allegedly asked to report that the virus jumped from animals to humans, according to Wenstrup and Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence Chairman Mike Turner. A seventh analyst, the most senior, was the lone member of the team to believe COVID-19 originated through zoonosis, according to the lawmakers. That's the Batburger theory. The U.S. intelligence community declassified its 10-page report on COVID origins in June, which found biosafety concerns and genetic engineering taking place at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. But most of its agencies assess that SARS-CoV-2 was not genetically engineered. Please. The CIA and one other intelligence agency remain unable to determine the precise origin of the COVID-19 pandemic, as both hypotheses rely on significant assumptions or face challenges with conflicting reporting. Well, there you go. I hope to get to the truth about this. I really do. We know Fauci's hands are all over this cover-up. And I just have to wonder, why does the CIA care so much? Unless they know it was, in fact, a bioweapon. And unless they're covering for China because deep state people within the CIA know that the reason why the virus was released from the lab was to help bring down the presidency of Donald Trump. I mean, there were CIA people working actively to do this. We know the entire deep state national security apparatchik was working to do this. So maybe it's possible the virus didn't accidentally leak leak out of the lab. Maybe it's possible the virus took a nice purposeful walk out of the lab China doesn't really care about its people. In fact, they have a population issue, right? But a worldwide global pandemic would be a sweet revenge against Donald Trump after all the tariffs he imposed on China. Assuring that he gets out of the way and their puppet Joe Biden can come in since Joe, you know, Joe and China go together very, very well. Very well. And you remember, I'll tie this into the story yesterday. The House Oversight Republicans say the new bank subpoena shows Hunter Biden listed his father's Wilmington house in wires with China. That story broke yesterday on the show. The Republican-led House Oversight Committee subpoenaed a bank for Hunter Biden's records and obtained two wire transfers from Chinese nationals to Hunter Biden in 2019 that listed President Joe Biden's Wilmington home as the beneficiary address. 
The subpoena, which was quietly issued on Monday, is the first time the committee issued a subpoena to a bank for Hunter Biden's records specifically. Jim Comer said after the announcement that the subpoena was very specific in that these two wire transfers are the first examples the panel has found of Hunter Biden receiving money directly and not through a shell company. They went directly to Hunter Biden and the address listed was Joe Biden's. The six subpoenas the committee issued to banks up to this point were for records of Hunter Biden's business associates. The committee still plans to issue subpoenas to Hunter and James Biden. According to the committee, the wires allegedly show that Hunter Biden received a $10,000 wire from Wang Jin on July 26, 2019. Separately, on August 2, 2019, Hunter Biden allegedly received $250,000 in a wire from Jonathan Lee and Tan Ling. Both of the wires listed Joe Biden's home in Wilmington, Delaware. As the beneficiary address, the committee, the committee did not provide the bank wires in their announcement on Tuesday. I'll tell you what, it's just one of those situations where you got to wonder to yourself, you know, you wake up every day. We wake up each morning trying to eat the ass out of a bear. Um, So, yeah. (coughs) uh, Yeah. 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 I think it goes with some of that day drinking, to be honest. Um, anyway, uh, so so there's that. Now, tonight at the Republican debate, uh, you're going to find, as I have found, uh, a lot of boringness and a lot of waste of time. But but here's what I need you to know. This debate matters a whole lot more than you realize. It really does. The debate matters a whole lot more than you realize because this debate is Ron DeSantis's make or break moment here. D- donors are getting very nervous that he can't seal the deal. And perhaps it is the fact that he waited too long to get in the race after his triumphant reelection victory in Florida. Perhaps it's the fact that it's, it's his personality. Perhaps it was none of the, the above. It's just that Trump had just such an insurmountable lead and the, a wise man would have said, this is not my time, I'll wait. Who knows? Maybe it's all the above. But either way, there are donors who want to stop Donald Trump within the Republican Party who are saying, your time is running out here. We are, we are running out of time. Either we're going to shift gears to get behind somebody like Nikki Haley. After all, she'll give him another war. Or we're going to get we're going to try to get somebody like Glenn Youngkin in the race. Tonight's your night. You got to either seal the deal tonight or it's or it's done. I, I really do believe that that is what tonight is all about from the perspective of the Florida governor. And it's nothing personal. I'm just giving you my analysis. I'm just giving you my analysis. I mean, Trump's lead is so insurmountable at this point that if if he can't get it done now, the people who write big checks are going to say, thanks, but no thanks. So I'll be watching. It's my job, after all, and I will do that. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Appreciate it very, very much. The great one, Mark Levin, is up next. Have a wonderful night. Back with you tomorrow. In the meantime, on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.